Hi, I'm Jason, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. I gave him an offer he couldn't refuse, so he came back to join me as co-host. Rob. <laughs> it's good to be back, back here on the day of my daughter's wedding. Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it has held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? That's right. Now, this episode of Rewind and Review, we'll look at an, the epic crime film that has frequently been, uh, it's in the conversation, basically being labelled as one of the greatest films of all time. Celebrating its 50th anniversary this year in 2022 this adaption of mario puzo's 1969 novel of the same name was the first installment in the highly praised trilogy the gangster genre would never be the same no we're not talking about the pizza let's <laughs> rewind to the year 1972 swinging 60s here i come baby yeah go back to then Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance we'll survive. Prior to 1972, the gangster genre was limited due partly to the restrictions imposed by the Hayes Code, which was finally abandoned in favour of the Motion Picture Association of America film rating system in 1968. The genre was revitalised in the new Hollywood movement that followed. One of the most influential films to impact the industry, as well as more particularly the gangster genre, was... The Godfather. Exactly. So directed by Francis Ford Coppola, um, who co-wrote the screenplay with Mario Puzo, The Godfather stars Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Kahn, Richard Castellano, uh, Robert Duvall, Sterling Hayden, John Marley, Richard Conti, and Diane Keaton. Now, be warned that in its, if, <laughs> in its 50-year history, if you haven't watched The Godfather yet, but you do want to, do go watch it first before listening to this episode because we will be talking spoilers. Spanning from 1945 to 1955, The Godfather chronicles the Corleone family under patriarch Vito Corleone, played by Marlon Brando, focusing on the transformation of his youngest son, Michael Corleone, played by Al Pacino, from reluctant family outsider to ruthless mafia boss. Yep. Now, although Michael tries to maintain a normal relationship with his wife, Kay, played by Diane Keaton, he's drawn deeper into the family business, becoming involved in the inevitable cycle of violence and betrayal. Oh, all right. right. So, yeah. I mean, of course, um, a huge movie, maybe, you know, like we said, potentially, it, I mean, it's, One in, of the biggest. it's in the conversation, maybe the best, greatest movie, of course, all completely subjective. But, you know, when, when we're talking <laughs> top whatever lists and stuff, this is always up there, whether it's number one, mm -hmm. two, three, five, it's, it's there. Sometimes it even comes down to the debate of is The Godfather 1 or, two, or Part 2 the, the greatest movie ever made? 
I don't know. Sometimes someone will throw in, you know, Shawshank Redemption just as a <laughs> as an alternative <laughs> or, option. This is the type Casablanca of movie we're talking about. Or something like that. No one's ever saying Casablanca. Don't be like that. Come on. Come on. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying there's a certain caliber of film that always kind of it's part of that conversation. It's, it's, that, it, it is up there. But yeah, really uh, my is. question, my question for you, Rob. Yeah. Was this your first time watching The Godfather? You know what? It was. It really was. So um, I, I watched it for the very first time in preparation for this episode. And for me, uh, the time of this recording was um, two days ago. <laughs> one two movie, days ago. One movie at a time, I'm going to make you a cinephile. At some, at some point, <laughs> we're going to be like, we're going to be like 75 years old. And I'm going to be like, Rob, you've finally done it. You've watched every movie that needs to be watched. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I honestly, this has always been on the list. I mean, there's so many movies. When you think about it, how, how many movies, like classics, are on the list, right? And you just... 14. There's just... There's, <laughs> there's, so, <laughs> there's so much content out there that you just... You just never get around to watching, like, you know, all the classics that you... To Kill a Mockingbird, all, all, all those things, or, or Godfather, Godfather Part 2... They're always been on a list. If you read Empire magazine, they're always there in the top bloody tens and all of that stuff. And I've just never got around to it. And same with the wife. So we, we both watched it together because we 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 always wanted to watch it together. And yeah, it was um quite a quite a, a riveting, amazing experience. That I'm very happy to talk about today. Your and life I can't believe changed? it took me. Can't believe it took me. Uh, it's taken been over fifty years, and it's taken me thirty six years to watch the bloody thing. It's taken you fifty years to watch this movie. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with that. What about you? What about I, I, you? Well, I need to know first of all. Have you not seen How to Kill a Mockingbird? No, I haven't. Jeez, I haven't seen it, man. Oh, Gregory Peck. Just, I know. Oh, mate. I, I, I know. I'm aware oh. of all of this, mate. It's madness. All right, put that on your list. We're not going to review it here, but just put it on your list, like as in. <laughs> The next week, like, do it, <laughs> do it. Come on, crazy. Just write it um, down on a post it note as we speak. Now, talk to you, Jason. How, like, how about your experience? Like yourself, it took me a long time to get around to this, not as long though. Um, I think I was, I was maybe like 16 or 17. No, not even, not even. I think I was 16 or 17. Me and my mate had rented The Godfather. We, we had a you know, back when you could rent movies from you know, a video store. We had a stack of weeklies and we were like, you know, let's watch this, let's watch that. And we're like, do you know what? We've never bloody seen The Godfather. We've got to see it. So we rented it. We never ended up watching it. We were like, God damn it. It's like, it's three hours long. We were like, ah, we've got better things to do. We just, I don't know, played like, we just played GameCube or something, whatever was going on at the time. It wasn't until, I mean, I don't even know when, but I believe, I mean, I'd already met my wife-to-be at some point, so it was it was then, but I watched it for the first time with her. We were like, let's yeah. let's get this done. I think it was maybe like the anniversary, one of the anniversaries of, of Godfather 2, and we were like, oh, well, yeah, no, let's, that's a, that's a good opportunity just to watch them. Um, that was the mm-hmm. only time I had seen it. Watched the whole trilogy, um, went back and watched for the second time only, um, just the other day, rewatched this one. And do you know what my plan was? Because, you know, busy mm-hmm. life, I was like, my wife was like, ah, look, I'm not going to sit through it again at this point. She, and I was like, she was like, maybe one day in the future. I was like, oh, that's fine. No commentary on the, on the actual quality of the film. But I was like, look, I'm going to probably do this in two sittings. Um, you know, I think it was Saturday night and I was like, oh, it was like 10.30 
in the in the evenings at 10 30 p.m i was like i'll sit down yeah. maybe i'll watch like an hour and a half of it find the good you know when they're in like <laughs> yeah. sicily i might might turn it off and come back to it sunday night or something finish it off <laughs> um i might have dozed a little bit in the first hour just because but then after that i felt like i had a second win i ended up yeah. it was 1 30 a.m sunday morning and i was like whoa i just couldn't turn it off that's the type of movie this is that i was like this is yeah. too good i'm just gonna finish it because why not yeah i felt like shit on sunday but that's okay that's okay because <laughs> i'd rewatched this fantastic film um yeah I, I, again i'm i'm not gonna sit here and say i'm any sort of like an obsessed nut or anything like that i'm not getting any like godfather tattoos <laughs> i mean i don't have a godfather poster or any sort of I'm trying to think of any merchandise, uh, but I do have the video game, which is cool. And I've got yeah, the box set. I've got yeah. the box set only on DVD. So, I mean, it's not that impressive, but but that's it. That's, yeah, I've watched it. I like it. Here we go. Let's talk about it. Yeah, no worries. Um, I mean, looking at looking at the data there, you know, it's it had a budget of six, well, it's unclear, six, maybe seven and a bit million dollars, but it's box office takings, you know, for 1972, it was 250 million to 291 million. It's it's a lot of money um, for 1972. Holy hell! Um, and you know, from a box office taking, it's the the highest grossing grossing film of that year as well. Um, like so I clearly had a bit of hype and a bit of was successful. Like 100. I mean, look <laughs> at that budget and box office variant. Um, I read somewhere that like yeah. if you if you put in the inflation, um, you factor that in. Mm. This is like this is up there with like a billion dollar film essentially like that's the yeah, type right. of it's 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 up there so of course uh, financially successful you know paramount pictures who obviously the studio behind this film they uh, originally i think they were only saying like the budget was like two million and uh coppola was okay. like i need more i need more and he had this way of convincing the studio <laughs> to just give him more money for extra things like to the point where i was like no we need to actually film in sicily like that kind of that kind of yeah. sway you know like and he, and he got it done and he still ended yeah. up i think this movie because paramount pictures they weren't getting many hits it was sort of like they were kind of mm-hmm. on the way out and this movie in a way kind of kind of saved them so that's a it's a big yeah, deal okay. but look of course why did it make so much money it received overwhelming critical acclaim, and as <laughs> we said, good, Jason. <laughs> it's seen as one of the greatest and most influential films of all time, particularly in the gangster genre. You go to Rotten Tomatoes yeah. and you'll see a big, fat, hefty 97%, yeah. um, with an average of 9.4 out of 10, based on 133 yeah. reviews, and Metacritic gives it the rare, the very rare 100 out of 100 um, based on 16 reviews, which is the ultimate universal acclaim. It's it's very popular. It's uh, it's clearly been received well financially. It's an amazing success. And just culturally speaking, you know, we're, you're talking about something that's had a legacy of 50 years and is still holding up again, you know, on the top of those lists as the greatest, one of the greatest films, you know, ever, ever made. So I'm very glad that I uh, I waited so long and you know like a fine wine, <laughs> let it let it took its time and now I, I get to be part of the conversation. Now, you know it's one thing to bring in money; it's another thing to also win awards. Um, uh, so uh, it's certainly award winning film. Um, nominated for seven Golden Globe awards, um, it won uh, best picture in drama. Uh, Marlon Brando won best actor. 
um, best original score, best director, and best screenplay. Um, Nina wrote a score, was nominated and won um, the Grammy Award for best original score as well. That's pretty incredible. And then it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards, but only won three. Um, so best actor for Marlon Brando, best adapted screen, screenplay, and best picture. <clears throat> Um, so an interesting tidbit that you put in the notes here, and I thought, well, yeah, I didn't know this. Um, so Marlon Brando boycotted the Golden Globe ceremony and an Academy Awards ceremony and refused to accept um, the Oscar based on his objection to the depiction of um, American Indians by Hollywood and television. So that's a nice stand and pretty uh, surprising for the, the 70s for um, such a, an acclaimed um, artist to, to have that kind of stance back then. Um, you also hit, put here that um, Al Pacino also boycotted the Academy Awards ceremony as well, um, being insulted uh, at being nominated for Best Supporting Actor when he has more screen time than his co-star and Best Actor winner Marlon Brando. So that's fun. <laughs> so, uh, so he boycotted for different reasons, but, uh, you yes. know. So maybe not as honourable, but um, cool. It's still good interesting. Look, look, he does make a good point. It's sort of like, dude, like Marlon Brando. He's barely in this movie. Come on. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. Yeah. When he's in I, it, he's kicking ass, but like, he's barely in the movie. Come on. Yeah. So I can see why you'd be a bit miffed at that. But um, yeah, anyway. Um, so, you know, you finished off here with the awards. Um, frequently ranked as very high on the greatest films list. Um, um, and I uh, just pointing out that, um, yeah, the AFI, Australian Film Institute, Rated as number two, um, only behind um, Citizen Kane. So, so there you go. It appears that it's a good movie, Jason. That's pretty good. Um, That's pretty good. Were there any other? Were there any other movies? Tell me about that. Yeah. So Paramount, um, they basically chased down Coppola and was like, "Yo, they gave him an offer. He couldn't refuse and was like, please make more. Please come back and do a second one, um, and then mm. a, the eventual uh, third one as well. So, part two, The Godfather Part Two, we got." Just a couple of years later, 1974. Now, I know you haven't watched them, and I kind of don't want to go into any detail about them because I kind of want you to be genuinely mm. surprised. Um, but all I'll tell you is that in part two, we we essentially get the origins of of Vito Corleone and Robert De Niro and, and, plays. Oh, no, so Robert De Niro, yeah, yeah, plays so I'm the aware young that Robert De Niro Robert plays him. Yeah. So we Which we is, see parallels um, of, sure. of the the rise of Vito Corleone. And I guess the further rise of Michael Corleone, which is very exciting. Yeah. And then part three, although people say is the weaker of the three, which I, you know, I'll probably agree and stand by that. We're comparing a mm. film to The Godfather part one and two, which is, you know, that's very unfair. Literally, mm. there's so many movies that are the weaker if you were to compare them. It's still a good movie. It's still a good movie, but um, it does. Yeah. It is the weaker of the trilogy. But I mean, that's that's okay because it's such a strong. Uh, it has two strong films preceding it. Um, but, but I mean, mm. Coppola had such a, a crazy run in just the span of a couple years. He released The Godfather, The Godfather Part Two. Um, there's another mm. movie that I completely forget the name of, and I don't know why I should have written it down. What's an uh, apocalypse now? Uh, yeah, yeah, Apocalypse Now was, it was shortly after, but I think the only reason it was as late as it was, I think it was just like there was a lot more sort of special effects and um, sort of post-production that sort of went into it. But essentially, yeah, okay. he, a couple of had like a series of four films that are just like 
just like crazy, crazy insane. Like this guy was on fire. I was about to say literally on fire, but he wasn't. He was just figuratively <laughs> on fire. He's um, a busy dude, just like his nephew. Really. He was so busy yeah. and, and burnt out from it. And maybe he was on fire that we didn't get part three until 1990, which is pretty, it's a bit of a gap, a bit of a gap, but. Well, I wonder, just chronologically, because Godfather 3, is it is it set not long after the number two, I wonder? Uh, I think a few, I mean, it's been a while. It's been a while, and again, yeah, I only watched it once, okay. but um, I, I suppose there was a bit of time after. Mm. It really is a sort of a big epic chapter, like a big spanning of time frames. I mean, hey, in mm. part two, we go all the way back to when Vito first gets to America. Like it's, you know, yeah. really getting there. The yeah, please. Two thousand and six yeah. video game, The Godfather, is based <laughs> upon this film. If you didn't know, it's crazy to think like this. This oh, very non like franchisey kind of like thing ended up being mm-hmm. a video game, and of course, many many years later. So you know, no connection to to the films really when you think about it. Um, but it tells yeah. the story of an original character called Aldo Trapani whose rise through the ranks of the Corleone family intersects with the plot of the film on numerous occasions. Um, mm. We've got Duvall, Khan, and Brando supplied voiceovers um, and oh, their wow. likeness, but Pacino, Al Pacino did not. Um, and right. Francis Ford Coppola openly voiced his disapproval of the game. Um, fair, <laughs> fair. Um, like I said, I have the game. It's on Wii. Mm. Um, the graphics look pretty awful, but mm. I mean, pretty yeah. in line with the Wii kind of kind of level. It's right. a pretty, it's a pretty fun game. Like it's sort of like it's a little bit like like it's like a cheap GTA kind of thing. It's set in the you know okay. like set in the fifties. You've got some really cool cars that you can like drive around. You can bash people right. with baseball bats. Like it's pretty wow. It's pretty nifty. Um <laughs> look it's not great. It's not amazing, but it's it was fun at the time. And like with like the Wii controls, it was like you could get the baseball bat. Yeah, could, yeah like, I was about to say you're actually hitting, hitting someone. <laughs> pretty messed oh. up. But look, it's pretty cool. I'm like, I think it's kind of nifty that I have the godfather of the video game. I mean, how so it's released in 2006 as well. How late in the game is that? Like, for that to just 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 appear, you know, with no other medium, no no other media being released, you know, like because you know games often are released in time, you know, to tie in with movies, but not literally decades later, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Godfather has stood the test of time. People are constantly going back to it. It's always in those conversations. Mm-hmm. I guess they were just like, you know what? Let's let's make a Let's make a game out of it. So, and like, we have a license. Let's do it. Let's use it. So on that same note, why have they not given us a, um, a current gen um, uh, Starship Troopers? That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. Well, why write a letter. Done? Send some emails. <laughs> make it happen. Yeah. I doubt it will. Anyway, let's get, keep on talking about the movie here at hand, though. So, you know, it's it's cultural impact, um, the, the legacy from it. So... Uh, you know, you said said before in the intro as well. So, it played a role in rejuvenating the gangster film genre um, as it was going through a bit of a, a change then. Um, and it was a catalyst for uh, the production of numerous other depictions of Italian Americans as mobsters, um, including films like um, Scorsese's Goodfellas, um, TV series such as David Chase's The Sopranos. And you can see it. Um, you know, clearly they're a little bit later, but 
Um, oh, Goodfellas, that was 90s, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but it's funny. Yeah. Like even like like in the Sopranos, there's like there's like a dinner scene with like the there's like the therapist and the family and stuff, and they're actually referencing the Godfather, and they're sort of uh, sort of criticizing the fact that it's like, man, mm. like the Godfather movies really made you know like Italian Americans like in, uh, put them in such a bad light, like we're all criminals. But then it's yeah. kind of funny because you watch it, you're just like. Like, mate, like, I mean, it's the Sopranos, <laughs> so you obviously know the yeah. idea of like, uh, well, <laughs> you know. Mm. But I just thought, yeah, funny. It is funny. It, I mean, it's just interesting as well that it, you know, it had real world impacts where it, you know, it does it did shine a negative light on Italian Americans. But, um, like, my understanding of it is that you know, the what a mafia don or the Godfather kind of thing, you know, it came from Mario Puzo's work. But before this film and before his work. The mafia were nowhere near as organized and honorable as what they are in this movie, and it kind of it was so disorganized. <laughs> yeah, but, they, but it glorified it and made it actually a recruitment tool, but also like just kind of just transformed the way that the the public thought of what mafia um, mafia mafiaism really was. Um, well, so interesting stuff. Well, I was, doing, I was doing like some reading into it, and like, like number one, like in terms of like what was portrayed in films and stuff before, it was like. When you were thinking of like whether it was just mafia in general or more so like Italian kind of mob-based mafia, it was you know you had like the yeah. fedora hats and like the the suits mm. and the Tommy guns and it was just like oh, yeah. people shoot getting shot down like all very like Hollywood like very blase like like this is a big show it's entertainment yeah. type thing whereas in what what the Godfather ended up doing was almost portraying you know like there is violence in this film but it's very reserved. When it hits, it hits, but it's not. It's like, hey, mm. violence for for the show. It's you, you mm. know, it's. I mean, we'll get to we'll get to all that, but there's sort of a different approach. And I've, I've I did some reading on sort of like what sort of, especially like immigrated Italians, uh, more so like in America, and like sort of their views or yeah. you know people who've obviously grown up you know, within that culture, but you know they they're coming from a very personal view within this, and a lot of yeah. them are saying like, do you know what like that stuff does exist and Mm. this this film is a very close portrayal of i guess how Mm. kind of things were like um immigrating italians you know they they weren't receiving support and stuff from like the government and and things like that so a lot of them did have to sort of go into sort of you know shady areas of yeah yeah whether it was organized or disorganized or whatnot um (laughs) yeah but this movie also shows a very like you know, a very cultural side to, um, and, and mm. a lot of this stuff wasn't in the book, but like, you know, we've got like the wedding, the family culture, oh, yeah, um, yeah. you know, like throwing sandwiches and, you know, things like, yeah. just like nuances like that, where it's like, you know, it's a, it's a doorway into a window into, into that culture. And uh, there's been a lot of, mm. I guess, feedback on like, no, there's, there's good elements to this movie that it's like, you know, it's, it's quite real, which I guess yeah. maybe, maybe unfortunate in some regards, but, you know, it's not like this is a glorified thing, but I guess it yeah. um, ended up sort of growing into something bigger. And, I mean, there is the mm. negative side to it all, but it is what it is. Well, yeah, but it's, I mean, it's authenticity. Um, that's what you know, it gives it credibility, and that might be one of the reasons mm. why it has had such a, a remarkably long life at such a high standing is we're talking about a, a film that's portraying real people and real culture. Um and, and but also glorifying other bits that um you know that have now come to pass you know like a um self fulfilling prophecy in some ways as well 
So very interesting stuff. Um, there's an next bit here you've got in your notes is interesting. Um, so Don, um, Don Vito um, Colleone's line, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse, was voted the second most memorable line in cinema history. Definitely not a surprise um, by <laughs> AFI's um, uh, 100 Years, 100 Movies quotes. Um, and that was in 2014. Completely understandable. It's... Um, yeah, pretty much that and the daughter's wedding are the two things, and they happen in the, in the same scene, in the first scene. <laughs> but it's the, like, um, the, that's um, because people only watch the first scene and they move on. <laughs> they don't remember the well, rest of the movie. However, they make him an offer he can't refuse seems to just repeat over and over and over again throughout the movie. Um, so, yeah, but, um, yeah, it, I remember as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, wow, that was early. I didn't realise it <laughs> was, was going to be that early. That was quick. And then, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the film's been referenced and parried in, in uh, you know, various kinds of media. Uh, makes sense. We see it kind of everywhere. Um, oh, I remember early in the 90s there was a few. So there was a few scenes in this movie and I, I remember seeing it in a parody and I wrote it down. What was that movie? Now, I don't know if you know. Can you remember any really standout parodies that have really uh, kind of showcased the, this particular thing? Like especially... The, the those real quiet scenes where he's like being asked favors and things like that, and where he oh, oh like all the time like <laughs> just no, but there's, there's one like, there's one in particular like a National in the Lampoon's Simpsons like all movie. the time. Um, oh, I don't I don't watch the Simpsons though, so uh, I think yeah, there's like so a National Lampoon's one, but I can't remember. Sure, I just figure every time there's someone having a like a like a secretive conversation in a room and then someone goes and closes the door. <laughs> like, yeah. like that's the godfather. Um, anytime you see someone with like put an orange peel in their mouth, <laughs> like godfather. Um, uh, iconic, man. Just iconic stuff. Absolutely it is. And I just didn't realise it until, you know, two days to go. I so. feel like I'm thinking something like, like Looney Tunes. No, I think it no. might have been like Loaded, loaded Weapon. Remember Loaded Weapon, how that was a... That was a parody of um, Lethal Weapon, but it had so many other things in there, that movie as well. Sure. I just yeah, anyway. was thinking, like, there's something with, like, these cartoon characters and then it's like a Godfather-type person behind a desk and it's like, you come to... <laughs> it's a very small little kind of creature, like a mouse or something. What am I thinking of? Oh, I don't know. I'm thinking it's something right. like so it's been parodied everywhere. Of course, like parodied. all the time, constantly, constantly, yeah. and rightfully so. Rightfully so. I guess, lastly, as well, like the film acted as a catalyst for the successful careers of Coppola, um, Pacino, mm -hmm. and other relative newcomers in the cast and crew. Um, the film also revitalized Marlon Brando's career, which had declined in the 1960s, yeah. and of course, he went on to star in films such as. Last Tango in Paris, Superman, and Apocalypse Now. And you know what? Once again, well, mm -hmm. not once again, because I guess he did it here first. But, you know, we spoke about this when we talked about Marlon Brando in uh, Superman the movie. Yeah. But, like, yeah. he didn't learn his lines. He just had, like, notes stuck around mm -hmm. things. And, you know, he'd read them. He would, in this film, cue cards. They would just, they'd hold up <laughs> cards and he'd have to read them. Yeah, and right. He's basically reading them for the first time to try and get that authenticity of... Uh, saying something for Thank the first you. time i guess yeah right it's his style so well, as, as usual it, it, difficult it, it, to work with yeah yeah he's oh, amazing i can't, he's, he's really I can't imagine how hard that would have been this was it was interesting i didn't realize um so i knew yeah we knew pacino was in it i knew Brand, marlon brando was in it didn't actually know that um khan and deval were in this which was interesting 
Yeah, and they I look didn't. super young, so, so I, they I almost didn't. look unrecognizable. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, they really, really do. Um, so I didn't actually realize that. Yeah, that. Um, so I, I knew, you know, going in that uh, Pacino played um, uh, a relative of um, Brando's, but I didn't know that. Yeah, Khan and Duvall also play relatives um, in the same bloody family. And Khan's the, I guess Khan's the interesting one because, like, we got a primarily Italian cast, and Khan is. Yeah. Well, he's a white fella. Like he's a he's a white guy, yeah. but he somehow manages to sort of portray enough like a character. I mean, I think maybe like the the hairy arms probably help, you know, getting that Italian <laughs> blood sort of that illusion. But it yeah. works. He kind of just like is there, and it's like no, we believe it. We believe it. It's, mm-hmm. it's mental. But they did pretty well with keeping things authentic. But look, let's. What we're going to do is basically let's just go through the movie. We'll discuss some characters yeah. along the way, other bits and pieces, a score, some mm-hmm. violence, some some weird things. But <laughs> really, this movie is about this journey that we go on. Yeah, um, we've got yeah. some key characters, a whole mm. slew of various other ones. And I'll admit right now that if you pop quiz me and try and ask me like, what's the name of each character, I'm I'm going to have to refer to notes because there's a lot. Um, and, it really is. You know. Yeah, it's 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 hard to hard to keep track. But let's just start where mm-hmm. the movie begins. Yep, the wedding. The, the wedding. On the day of my daughter's wedding. It's uh, that was terrible, yeah. but that was good enough. But um, we're, uh, we're introduced to mm. the Godfather, to Marlon Brando. Those iconic scenes, um, straight mm. up. You know, like you said, they're not wasting any time. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding. Um, yep. Yeah, you know. Oh, just a quick thing, you know, like, hey, you want to be, you want to be a movie star? Like, I will make him an offer. You can't refuse. He says yeah. that a couple of times. There's the stuff with mm-hmm. the cat. Like, there's a lot going on. But yeah. let's talk. Let's talk maybe Marlon Brando first and all of that. Yeah. Godfather. I, I wasn't sure if he was wearing prosthetics or if he had things in his mouth. Like, he was doing obviously clearly doing something. But um, you know, he's he just has that slow like so. His speech is a little bit slurred, but it's it's very slow and deliberate and everything. You can tell the way that Brando plays the character is he's, he's just controlling the room. And, I mean, he is he's the figurehead of the family, but he's also the boss of the, the syndicate as well, and he, do, he demands respect. And so you get that. And that, that slow, the way that he speaks really slowly and it's got a little bit of like a, a an impediment there kind of, um, I feel like it's just a really good choice of, of the way like portraying it because it, it really just enforces that power. I feel like it just just dominates it. Everything everybody's slowing like everybody is at his pace. No matter who you are or whatever you 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 you're listening to him and and that's everything. Um, and it, so you see him as a very intimidating person straight up. Um, I love the entire scene right because you get to you get introduced to so many people. Um, you know, we'll talk about Michael in a second, but you see that we're talking about that unique kind of Italian culture, like not unique, um, uh, accurate kind of Italian culture, the way it's portrayed. And that's what a wedding is like with, with you know, with that kind of family dynamic. They're big, it's huge, and it's a powerful thing. And like people are loving everybody, everyone's dancing, everyone's having a good time. And then you've got the most powerful man in the family who excuses himself to do a deal. And keeps on coming back to the wedding and just patiently does it and it's and then you know it gets to a point where he's like i'm going to go enjoy my my daughter's wedding kind of thing and it's all at his whim and i think just the way he portrays it yeah i think it's fantastic 
it is. You, you, just don't, you don't want to you don't want to screw with him. You just don't want to screw with him, and you know that he, you can't because everybody is at his beck and like call kind of thing. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like you've got that complete presence that. that dominating yet respectful sort of um mm. uh, i guess persona that that he's got there um i mean straight up like yeah he they put prosthetics in him interestingly when he auditioned mm. like i guess the initial auditions for it like he just put like like paper towel sort of tissue in his mouth to sort of have that same effect okay um, yeah so yeah very creative the cat that we see was just a cat that couple of sort of found on the street yeah, gave it that, to yeah. put it in uh, brando's lap and they just went with it apparently the purring was so loud because the cat was having such a good time they had to <laughs> essentially adr marlon brando's uh take again over it which is all bonkers but you're right like the wedding is mm. a perfect setting plot device in a way to basically mm. give us an introduction to all of these characters in a, in a, in a, in a space of 20 minutes, we get introduced to so many of these key players. We get so much exposition and context in regards to like the situation, the circumstances, other families, um, mm. basically yeah, all of those things happening, you know, like we, we get to, we learn about even in just little small exchanges and all this just stuff happens really fast. Like, you know, you know, you see one of the sons, and there's his wife, but then it's like he's sort of, you know, doing stuff with potentially a mistress, and yeah. there's yeah. there's the other, there, you know, there's there's the guy that's out the front, and he's like really nervous, waiting to go in, and he's rehearsing his lines. Yeah. It's like Luca, that yeah, sort Luca of Brassi. yeah, yeah, and that yeah. sort of plays more into like, well, like people are really almost fearful yet, mm. um, you know, still respectful because he's like, I'm not going to stuff this up. Um, you know, we yeah. meet we meet Michael and we'll go into him a, a lot more in a bit. But yeah, you meet him, mm. we find out where he, you know he's he's just returned from the war, so we're also getting sort of a time periods uh, sort of illusions and yeah. settings as well. Um, him and him and Kay, you know, that whole initial dynamic, and it's sort of like he's a bit of an outsider. He comes late to the wedding. He almost wants mm. to, and I don't know if this is him putting on an act as such, but it's like he almost doesn't want to be a part of the family or he's trying to be yeah. a little bit normal or like away from mm. like he's putting something on oh uh, yeah it's, it's there's so much and then you just get all the context of like okay what is the godfather what is don Vito Corleone all about and mm. how can he what is his business and what can he do and you, you get yeah. hints at like no like you've come to me you know like and we'll i'll make it happen and there's the whole yeah. thing about like you know on the day of um, a Sicilian person uh, on their daughter's mm. wedding, they can't say no to a mm. to a um a request. So it's, it's like yeah. everyone's lining up and being like, "Well, today's the day. I gotta <laughs> gotta mm. make my gotta ask." Mm-hmm. There's so much going on in 20 minutes. I'm like, we're caught yeah. up. We're good. We're good to go. And then you just strap in for the ride. But um, yeah, Michael oh, Corleone. So let's get into here yeah. a little bit. So, Mr. Al Pacino, um, he, so I, I agree with what you're saying. He, it's very, very clear that he's like a little bit of an outsider, kind of like a, a black sheep in a way, like he's distancing himself from the rest of the festivities. Just him and Kay are sitting there. Um, they're also, they stand out because they're dressed completely differently. Like Michael's in his, his military uniform and you find out that he's later on, that he's a bit of a hero, but he's, um, but then Kay's also in a, like a, I think it was a red dress or something like that. 
So they're very much standing out. Everybody else is in like very like formal attire for a wedding, and you got these two, um, and they're just kind of keeping to themselves. And and he doesn't want to talk about what his family does and and that kind of stuff. But she's kind of watching, and she's watching, you know, these exchanges where Vito goes into a room, like kind of thing, and coming back out, which kind of plays in, in the contrast in the end, you know, in the end scene where she sees it happening, you know, uh, you know, without going too, you know. Oh, we can do the same thing happening we can say of course we can but yeah so she sees exactly the same thing happening with michael and there's that moment of like realize, realizing of oh gosh <laughs> like it's happening because that's what she saw you know in these opening scenes that kind of behavior around Vito. um so i think it's a really good way of that scene it, yeah so what it goes for about 20 minutes or so thereabouts it's just a really good way of lock, locking in one you know the culture and, and the dynamics between the different characters but also the power that Vito has um, and Michael's reluctance to be part of it. Um, but what you being... don't see there, though, is you don't see Vito's reluctance to have Michael involved in that either. He's, I guess, he's just accepting him being there. And he's, but later we find out that they really, he really didn't want Michael to be part of that life, and he is quite upset when it happens. So, but we also um, see like the like the cops. I think they're cops. Yeah, you know, the cops sort of checking all the license plates and then. You know, yeah. like there's the you know they destroy like the camera and and, and you know mm. things like that and it's sort yeah. of it's just like we just have this very clear painted picture of things that are going up like this is this is the way that like exposition mm. should be done like if it was yeah. done like this every time oh man I mean we'd get bored pretty quick because it would be the same yeah. each time but but damn like we mm. are set up um look Michael's Michael, this is this trilogy is essentially it's essentially his story. Even though obviously Vito yeah. does play a big part, and obviously we get his whole backstory, but mm. you know we get this whole backstory in the second film. But even there, it's like his backstory is playing parallel to Michael's progression, and mm. like this is one of the like this potentially could be one of the greatest character arcs within this one film not including what happens after because i know you, you haven't gone through that journey yet yeah. but from where he starts where we meet michael here and like you said that interaction with Kay, you know it's sort of like mm. he is putting on this i believe anyway that he's putting on almost like a not so much a show but like his performance is very subtle in these early scenes he very much mm. is like you know we don't learn too much about what he's been doing in the as a marine and all that kind of stuff you know like i'm assuming mm. he's killed but like you know obviously war times but the war kind of context so it's not like murder although that could be a debate mm. for another day um <laughs> a whole different <laughs> conversation but um yeah is that like so where has he been but he's, he's so subtle he's, mm. he's very much an outsider to the family and then as we progress through this film he's like he's mm. put in a position where it's like he he essentially is the only one. If you compare him to his brothers, you know, Sonny's yeah. a bit, Sonny's the one that's a, the older one, I believe, like more hot headed, bit reckless. Yeah. And then the younger one is like, you know, he's, you know, he's no good. And then you've got what's mm. his name, Tommy, that's like, he's, he's one of the brothers, he's but adopted. He's adopted. But like, yeah. you know, so it's like, well, he can't be the next Don because he's not even yeah. Italian. Like, yeah. <laughs> or he's is not, he? even, not even I think he's Italian. Family. Yeah. I can't remember. There's too many, like I said. But yeah, technically not family. So it's like, yeah, gray area. It's like Michael is the only one. Mm. He obviously shows ability to, to set up a plan and follow through with it. And, and then, you know, 
again, I guess uh, I'm jumping ahead, but we can always come back to it after, you know, like the scene with the baptism and the parrot, like that, that goddamn oh, editing okay. of this scene where he essentially yeah. is becoming a godfather <laughs> to these. Yeah. Yeah. Is it one kid or two kids? I can't remember. But he's becoming this godfather. I think it's just, I think it's just the one. It's the one yeah. kid, this baby. And then at the mm. same time, he is also becoming the godfather. And Brother, we cap it all yeah. off from where we meet him at the start of this movie to the end, where Kay is standing mm. there questioning yeah. the family and what Michael's yeah. position now is. He's then referred to as, as Don, mm. the godfather for the first time, mind you. That door shuts mm-hmm. and it's sort of like, damn, <laughs> like yep. what an arc, what a journey. It's incredible. Um, getting yeah. cra- I'm getting all, ah, it's intense. That's why I couldn't pause <laughs> the loop. That's why I couldn't stop and come back next day because I was like, no, need to follow this. No, no. It's a fantastic, it is a fantastic journey. Should we continue on with the journey? So we should. Well, well, let's let's take a moment because I think in these in these early scenes anyway, we get our first exposure to like the the score, the music. Um, yeah, and I know we did mention that. Obviously, uh, let me find the name of him. Nino uh, Reuter's score, um, obviously mm. Grammy Award, Best Original Score, fantastic stuff. But yeah. this is one of those scores where now this would be interesting for you. Like you've you've only just watched mm. this movie for the first time. When you heard this music, yeah. were you like, "Hey, I know this music"? I it, it sounded familiar, but what what I noticed about it in my notes was that it sounded appropriate. Um, and it sounded, it, it it met what my expectation was like. And what I mean by that was I, I kind of felt something of this calibre. Um, it just, it, it, it just, it, it just blended things perfectly and, and set the, the right tone so, so well, um, you know, when they're in Sicily versus when, you know, they're, they're at a wedding scene versus when, you know, in all the different moments. Um, I thought it was brilliant. Did I recognise it? Kind of slightly, but it might have just been more. It was meeting what I would have expected it to be. Okay, <laughs> so maybe. I think yeah. maybe like the main, like the main score piece uh, is probably mm. more recognisable, and then the rest obviously is. I mean, it does all kind of sound. Um, I'd say like maybe like culturally authentic. Mm. I, I suppose, like, like you said, like especially when, I mean. when we're in Sicily, like it sounds like Sicily. You know, <laughs> it, mm. sounds like, it sounds like we're in Italy. You know, it's all it's all happening. Yeah. Um, I will say, I mean, I don't want to compare it, but I, I do think the score in the second film is a bit better, but this okay. one's still pretty, pretty good in terms of like just setting the tone. Like it's not, yeah. I mean, much like this movie as a whole, it's not over the top and like, mm. like here is the music and the building drama. It's just sort of quaintly subtle in a really good way. Well, it's, yeah, it's atmospheric, but in the in the in in the right way. Like it has adds character, um, as well as kind of setting, like you said, the tone. So you're getting you're getting you're getting the right kind of vibes from it, but you're also getting this unique feeling that you're in a very much Italian movie kind of. Yeah, thing. like you um, said, it like it, it fits for the scenes and the setting and the time, depending on where you are, whether in your you're in New York or Las Vegas or yeah. Sicily or one yeah. Right, speaking of that though, if we were to mm. jump to to Los Angeles, because that's where we go next, um, yeah, we're over at Los, uh, in Los Angeles, and we get to see a little bit of, I guess, how how the family runs and how they go about getting mm. something done. Um, so we're introduced to um, a few characters. 
Um, like yeah. first up, uh, Johnny Fontaine. Yeah. Well, you see Johnny Fontaine asking for things. He's asking for support in in at the wedding, and then basically, Vito says, "All right, Tom, my trusty advisor, off you go. Go do what you need to do." And so they go to Los Angeles. So Johnny Fontaine's a a popular singer. Is he a singer, an actor, or is trying to be an actor? Is yeah. He- well, he wants to he wants to break out into this into this film, and the yeah, whole, whole got, idea he's found is the that right role. And, we need to yeah. convince this movie producer, which I think Jack a little in, in a little bit, it's, it's kind of like. Uh, Coppola kind of giving Paramount Pictures the, the the you know the middle finger being like yeah see I know what I'm doing <laughs> but that, but that's the whole thing so yeah so then um, obviously we talked about Tom Hagen um, up there yeah. already uh, Robert Duvall is Tom Hagen he's the well he's the family's lawyer but also like the adopted son that yeah. you know, Vito took in at a young age. But also Johnny Fontague, played by Al Martino, is um, Vito's godson. So, I mean, literally there, it, it, it is a literal godfather, mm. godson kind of kind of thing. So yeah. more reason why he would be inclined to sort of help him and get that done. But, yeah. I mean, we get a cool scene where it's sort of like, yeah, first it starts with mm-hmm. a conversation, mm-hmm. doesn't go according to plan, and then... Yeah. Um, Again, here's me with all these names. Jack Waltz, is that the movie producer? I just need to make sure. The Hollywood producer, played by John Marley, Jack Waltz, the poor Mm. son of a bitch. He gets that very iconic scene with the horse's head. His head. (laughs) And I saw it. So I I saw it coming. I knew what was coming. And even though all of that happened, the scene is still just chilling. What what, just think of what that guy's experience would have been. So I I knew that it was a horse head in in, um, one of these. And as soon as he shows you the racehorse, you're like, I knew exactly. I was like, I know exactly what's coming now. It's one of those things again, a very iconic kind of moment. We've seen it parodied plenty of times. Um, Mm. And so early in the movie, like just straight in there, yeah, straight in there. We're not yeah. waiting for it. It's just, it's just there. Mm. But it's, it's a brilliant, it's a brilliant, like it's a great scene because he, Jack Waltz, who, and by the way, um, wife and I thought um, at the start we thought it might have been Walt, not Waltz. We didn't quite hear it right. We're like, they're not talking about Walt Disney, are they? We're, like, we just, I just didn't understand what was going on <laughs> until, until we see the studio and you see, or you see his surname written somewhere. You're like, oh, right. Um, could be a play but, on, um, could be a play on, on Walt Disney, though. Who knows? Who maybe. Knows? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but um, <laughs> but Jack, Jack Walt says no because basically, yep, Johnny Fontaine is the correct person for the role, but he ruined a girl or he slept with somebody or he did something. I can't remember specifically what it was. But then when he finds out who Tom's working with, then he has an immediate amount of respect and he brings Tom over for dinner and he says, look, you should have told me who you were. Blah, blah, blah. But at the end of it, then he just says, look, I hate Johnny. I'm not going to let it happen no matter what. Get out of my house. And then Tom goes calmly, okay, well, I need to give Vito the bad news as quickly as possible. So I'm leaving. That also to me showed straight away that he had an alibi. He was on, he was on a plane. He was out of there. Um, and then the horse head appears, and just the rate, you know, how he, he rolls over and he's got a little bit of blood on his hand, and he looks down and he pulls the sheet down, and it just gets worse and worse. And then all of a sudden, there's just the head, and you're like, oh, just something else. It's just great. Don't I mean, mess it, with the it gives a, don't do it. It gives a meaning, like, it, it gives the definition of what 
an offer he can't refuse actually means. You know, it's not like, yeah. oh, look, we're gonna we're gonna put a big fat check on his table or like they have checks back yeah. then. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But it's but a- the point is, point is, he's a he's a film producer or whatever. He he's got lots of cash. He's a studio head or, or whatever yeah, so it is. So sending a message like, is is the that's way to the get offer. It done. It's like, would that's you the like offer. the worst thing to happen? What are we talking about? Yeah, like. Might- when he was when Waltz was raving about his horse as well, and he's like, "Look at this prize racehorse!" But he's like, "And you know what? I'm not even going to race him. I'm going to set him out to pasture." And like, you can just tell this horse means a lot. <laughs> and then, oh. and it's like, what what better could you do? Like, as in the most powerful message you could have is to go. And Tom knows all this because he's Tom's on the receiving end of it all. So he's almost. It could have very well have been Tom who said. By the way, well, I think he does. I think it was Tom's idea because he tells Vito that he had a butcher, like a, particular, a butcher with a set of skills um, that um, took, took care of it or something. So Tom's part of all of this. Like he he knows what's going on and he knows the right how to send the right message and, and all of that, um, which is just chilling because Tom also comes across as a quite a gentle, soft person, but yet he still knows what's going on. You know, he still still knows the dynamics and what has to happen. So it's just crazy. But talking like um sort of like the graphic nature of of like this film, like mm. you know, I said before, this isn't um, you know, like we're we're getting a big like shoot 'em up kind of moments and you know, like yeah. gang warfare, like all this kind of crazy stuff. The yeah. the graphicness of this of this film is I guess the best example is this like scene in the bed with the horse's head. Like it's graphic, it's bloody. Like yeah. the horse is severed. It's not like clean cut, and then you know it, it's like there's mm. blood like everywhere. Like it's insane. Yeah. But at the same time, there's a subtleness to it. Like the guy's screaming. It's obviously horrific, but it's not like yeah. you know, like there's an impact to it that is related to what we're actually seeing and what it means. But I feel like the yeah. message behind it is more impactful than what we're actually seeing, which I think yeah. is good because that plays into the subtlety of it. Am I just dribbling words? Sometimes I feel like I just say things. <laughs> does that make sense? Does that make sense? It does. It does. It like, does make sense. It does. I, I understand what you're saying. Like it's not. We're um, not shocked because we're like, oh man, that looks like disgusting, and that poor horse, and oh my god, it's more like holy crap, that guy loved that horse. Now yeah, it's you're talking its about head. It, and it's focusing more on the uh, the, the on, horror of it and on what it actually the- yeah what the meaning behind it is and more than the actual visual yeah. even though the yeah. visual is still already pretty striking mm. that's what this movie does with its mm. I, I in quotation like action scenes even though they're not really you know anytime yeah. someone's like gunned down or yeah you know like you know especially at the end with like the the baptism slash the you know assassinations it's like those yeah. the scenes those visuals of those things happening are more impactful mm. because of not because some guys getting shot down it's because mm. what it means what for the michael's yeah like at that yeah. moment what michael's doing you know he's denouncing yeah. satan and at the same time he's put a hit yeah. on these guys and they've been they're being killed so yeah but at the same time it's like we're still seeing a, a pretty violent scene take place but that's mm. not why it's it's impactful. It's just brilliant. Like holy shit, yeah. <laughs> holy shit! Oh, absolutely. One thing I'd oh, like to talk about, I feel like before we move too far into this movie, is the the 1940s mm. setting, and uh, and eventually we will get to the 1950s yeah. as well as this movie progresses. But you know, yeah. I mentioned in the game that you know it's fun driving around these like little 1950s cars and all of that, and you've got all the costumes. But mm. in this film, bear in mind we're talking. This was the 70s. This was the very early 70s that, you know, this was all being made. 
yeah rather yeah. than make it modern for them mm. uh they did go and say hey look let's be authentic and go back to the 40s like 50s and then play in that yeah. kind of pool we get some fantastic costuming. I mean, production was, oh yeah, and especially for what was it, six or seven million dollars? Like, mm, mm. I believe, I believe everything I'm looking at <laughs> just looks real, yeah. and I think it just, oh, absolutely. I, I actually was saying, saying to Laura, I was like, like I couldn't quite figure out when the film, when the film was actually shot. <laughs> in, in a way, I was like, because everything looks so legit, but it's clearly obviously filmed at a later date, but. Like all the cars, everything in there. Um, I mean, and and to be honest, um, Capola, Capola, whatever his bloody name is, he like very, very purposefully has placed cars and things in in the sets. So all the actions happening around these things that really give away the the date of it, um, and the the types of cars that they used, and and the uh, I guess you know the condition of it all, and just I guess. Yeah, like, like you know, you're saying the costumes and everything as well. It was just so well done. You, you can't, yeah, you couldn't, you can't really, you cannot tell it's a '70s movie. You cannot, you cannot at all. Sometimes there's tells, but no, not not in this one. I felt just, like we were legitimately there. They, I was they confused. Just, they don't make them like they used to. I just got to tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like visually, like even just like you know, we're we're going to Los Angeles. We're going to New York. Like just set pieces i mean mm. sicily's probably sicily probably still looks like that oh. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking um <laughs> i've been to italy i mean it does <laughs> right. um the like when you when we're in when we're in la and you know like yeah we're going past yeah, yeah the shots of like the chinese theater you know that very famous you know the, yeah. the, the cinema where you know star wars had their premiere like yeah, it's it's dressed to look like the 1940s, like, mm, and it's absolutely. like, how do how do they do that? Like, that is insane. Yeah, oh, I mean, and for that budget as well, like we said, bloody hell. Well, they did a good job. I thought it was they do. It was super authentic. All right, now the this is where the movie sort of, I guess, really gets mm. going. Like, we're starting to get sort of. All right, the plot is is moving. Um, mm. Vito mm. is gunned down. Spoiler: he's he's all good for now but he's gunned down um you know where we're seeing like things with like other families and sort of like the like the rivals the war has sort of uh been sparked it's all sort of happening um mm. and i guess this is this is where we can highlight the character salozo because he will play a part um mm. so yeah, let me find his character and or actor. Um, so Al Latieri <laughs> plays Salozo. Yeah. Um, now he's coming to, you know, he's coming to Vito and he's like, look, mm. he's in the drug business. And he's like, look, let's um, let's get involved, like get involved in this. This is what we want to be doing. We want to work in the drug yeah. cartel. Um, we need your contacts, your yeah. polit- political contacts and police contacts. Help, help, us, help us, please. Not, I don't can't even say the word. I was going to say cartotics. Na- narcotics. Narcotics. <laughs> narcotics yeah. is where it's at. And Vito, yeah. despite all the criminal activity that he is involved in, he's like, mm, drugs are, are not where I want to be. Essentially, mm. not what I want to be dealing in. Well, he, well, he makes a good. He makes a makes a good. Um, uh, whatever I was trying to say, he he. He basically says, you know, I'm going to lose all of my contacts, all of my networks are going to basically turn away from me if I do this. So I don't want to do that. I don't think this is the right move for the long long term. 
Um, and you can't, I don't know how you can kind of debate it, you know, like, yeah, cool. So um, Solazo is chasing the, the quick money that's coming from the narcotics business to fill that gap. But then Vito's looking at it going, yeah, but my networks are more invaluable for the bigger picture. So I don't want to risk, I don't want to put, put them in jeopardy. So, um, yeah. It so sounds like he knows agree. what he's doing. It sounds like he's... Yeah, it's like he's done it before. It's like he's um, done it yeah, yeah, but then clearly uh, so Solazo doesn't like that, doesn't like being told no, although it's quite a respectful exchange, but still doesn't like being told no. And then that's where it kind of goes downhill, I guess. Yeah. So Look, Luca... Luca Brassi. Luca Brassi, which is actually a band name too, if you... Is the band named after this character, or I think it's not a band. I think it's a hip hop artist. Anyway, oh right, um, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, a coincidence, yeah, yeah. then, maybe. No, 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 no. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's named after this character. Um, oh. So, um, but uh, yeah, it's an Aussie hip hop group. I think. Anyway, somebody will, somebody listening will be yelling at me right now, but that's fine. <laughs> but Luca Brassi, um, so he gets killed. Um, but Solo Solo actually tries to bring him over and say, you know, look, we heard that you don't like Vito. So we'll double your, your wage or whatever it is and um, come over to us. Um, now, what Luca Brassi, though, so in the books, what I was reading about his character, he's actually meant to be, in all of the industry that they work in, he's actually one of the, the worst guys. Like, as in, he's a, he's a really, he's a muscle man and he, everybody fears him and he, he's got a really bad temper. And he apparently, in the books, is the only person that Vito actually is scared of, even though. Luca Brassi is completely loyal and respects him, you know, to a T. He that he's the, he's so wild a character in the books, apparently. Right. But here so- you only see him as a nervous person when he's talking to Vito. Um, and he's kind of a little bit of a, a gullible character, not a gullible, but like just a big oafish kind of guy. But yeah. Yeah. So, so- this is an interesting contrast to how they chose to portray him here, whereas in the uh, the other the source material, he's a lot more harder. That is pretty interesting. Like, so played by Lenny Montana, um, mm. and I did read that this wasn't this wasn't scripted. But um, when Lenny was first on set with Marlon Brando, he was so nervous yeah. um, in yeah. in you know this this actor's presence, um, mm. Marlon Brando, this being that he is, um, that when he was first delivering his lines, he was pretty nervous about it. like he was you know like was, uh, that Coppola thought it was so authentic that he decided to keep it. And I wonder if that yeah. was sort of the catalyst for the direction of this character and, and all that. Cause mm. apparently the scene, obviously we saw it first, but I think the scene mm. where, you know, he is sort of rehearsing, rehearsing. what he's going to say that was yeah. done after. Afterwards, yeah. shots. So I think maybe they reverse engineered his character and was like, well, let's make him more, even though he's a, you know, he's a big bloke. He's, he would mm. be menacing and intimidating, but I guess, yeah, they, they flicked it. They switched it around. Um, mm. And look, yeah, he, he is killed. And mm. you know we get the we get the yeah uh, I guess sleeping with the fishes yeah, yeah. Lucas sleeps with the fishes but um, I like the way that they uh, they send that message where they they give them two fish as a delivery yeah they're, they're, they really they're, like they're trying to animals they're trying to call him <laughs> dead animals and, and messages in this movie I swear to God yeah <laughs> so it's it's all metaphors so um but yeah so yeah they get they get two trout or something delivered to them when they're trying to get hold of Luca. Um, when everything's going down, like Vito's been shot and all that, and then somebody, I think it's, I think, is it Tom? Somebody recognises what the message is and says he's swimming with the fishes. Mm. So. But then 
Tom like Hagen, Tom Hagen, awesome. he gets he's he gets kidnapped. So that's yeah, uh, yeah. like that happens, and then pretty much it's like, yeah. okay, look, Vito's in hospital, um, Hagen's been kidnapped, Luke is dead. Uh, we need someone de facto de facto Don. Who's gonna who's gonna do it? Sonny as the oldest as the oldest brother takes command. So this yeah. is basically James Khan's time to shine. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, as we said before, like this character, he's he's a bit more reckless, he's a bit more, you know, a bit hot-headed. He, he, he's mm. that, yeah. I mean, in a way you could think, oh, maybe like the stereotypical sort of older brother, you know, like mm. you'd think he'd be next in line, but he's just not quite online with what's the best moves and stuff. Like he's yeah. not the smartest cookie. In there, mm-hmm. but James Khan is doing a fantastic job. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why, I'm, even though you know he's not an Italian bloke, but again, I think he just it just works. Um, mm-hmm. it really does. And and this is the moment where you get to see obviously someone else in that position calling mm-hmm. the shots. Um, and it's just not it's just not really really working, yeah. Um, but we get to we get to the hospital, and this is where you know we start mm-hmm. to see Michael sort of his first steps, I guess, into getting really involved. He's there at the hospital. Yeah. He's going to go, he's going to go see his, see his old man mm. sort yeah. of, you know, on the mend. Um, yeah. There's uh, basically there's everything. like, it's very suspicious. Michael basically foils the plan of the attempted assassination on his yeah. father. He, he arrives and he says, Where, where's the guards? And that kind of thing. Like, and he's not even, I don't even think he, I think Sonny said, don't go visit him or don't, don't get involved or something. Yeah. But he still, he still does. And then, yeah, he's like, and then he finds out that the police sent them away, which means there's clearly corrupt or paid off cops have come in. Yeah. Sterling, um, Sterling Hayden's Captain McCluskey, uh, yeah. a bit of a corrupt cop. Um, obviously took some sort of payment or something to sort of, you know, remove the the guards and the, mm. the security around there. That, but luckily, yeah. you know, Vito's life is saved. Um, mm-hmm. We're still good. We're still good. It's all happening. It's 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 brilliant how it all rolls out, though, isn't it? So you you get so my, Michael basically says, look, he, he um, there's a I think it's the baker comes in to give Vito some flowers, and then Michael turns around and says, like, come here, act, stand out the front here with me, and act like you've got a gun in your pocket. And then you, the people pull up who are clearly going to come in and do the hit. They see that they've got there's two people there that look like they're armed. They drive off, and the very next minute, clearly they've called the cops and said, "I thought you got rid of everybody, or whatever." And then that's when the cops come in and arrest Michael. Um, but yeah, so the, the plan works. Um, they move Vito into another room, which is and, and, and he's saved. It's just very. I thought it was just a very clever, quick thinking on Michael's feet. It just shows that you, you've got Sonny who is. You know, he's, he's he's confident and everything like that. Takes command, but then Michael's the clever one. He's he's smart and he's calculated and he thinks on his feet, and he gets it done. Well, that's what we lead into. Like the next thing is it's really the like the brothers, the team. You know, like mm. it's sort of like okay, this is the situation that we've got. These you know these rival families, like they're trying to pretty much take over and get in on like mm. everything that we do and. Um, they're either gonna, you know, it's established that it's like, okay, they're either gonna like take us out <laughs> one by one, or mm. they're gonna weaken us to the weaken us to the point where they pretty much will take over regardless. So they're in a pretty of a tricky yeah. spot. They're trying to yeah. come up with, you know, 
how to react or how to respond. And obviously mm. like everyone's ideas are pretty, pretty average. Um, and it's yeah. Michael, you know, up until mm. now, you know, the very quiet keeps to himself clearly doesn't yeah. want to be involved in all of this yet for some reason yeah. feels obliged, you know, family mm-hmm. is, you know, it's his yeah. dad's legacy. It's, it's their business. It's all of that. He comes up with the plan. It seems pretty insane. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like everyone is literally just like, like, this is a ridiculous plan. Like what, what is it? And it's sort of like, mm. going to do it anyway. Um, mm. And then we just get, we get that scene and, and the whole scene at that, at that restaurant, yeah, you know where, where Michael's there. He's 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 basically he's negotiating the conversation. And what I mm. love, um, mm. what I love is that you know they're they're speaking Italian. Mm. We don't get subtitles. Subtitles, you do not. So but you know, but you um, know what they're, you know what they're saying. Like, well, I mean, peek behind the curtain. I, I know a little bit of Italian, and so I was, I was helping translate a couple of little nah. pieces <laughs> that I recognised to to the wife. Um, but a lot of it I couldn't. But I thought it was just an absolute beautiful way because it was the tenseness and the mo- like. You could see that you know the negotiation wasn't going the way that um, Solzo was hoping for, and that kind of thing. And you, well, you can tell it's just by the tone of their voices um, and 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 you know the looks of it in their eyes. That's all you, you don't need. need to speak their language. You yeah, don't if, need to. At if all. you don't speak Italian, you know, if you're only mm. obviously if you're only English speaking. You're not distracted by reading words at the bottom of the screen. You're looking watching at, their, at the characters, these actors' faces, their responses. Yeah. And it really is more about, like, you, you know what they're saying. You know that, you know, like, yeah, what's his name is saying, you know, like, oh, I very much respect your father and everything you guys mm. do and blah, 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 and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you just know that Michael's shitting himself <laughs> because yeah, yeah. he doesn't know if the gun's been planted in the you know mm. in the bathroom in the back room like yeah. he's not he, he's like he's confident that it's like okay yeah mm. that's the plan but has it and what if it hasn't what do i do am i getting out of well, this am well, I that's the thing the, the, the car there? remember it's remember on the way there the car does a um, u-turn as well and so in that moment we don't know as a viewer oh, have they changed the plan and are they at a different venue because they you pop up and it says louise's lewis's pizza but unless you're paying attention to what venue they say earlier, I don't. I, I still, to life for me, as a one-time viewer, I can't remember if that's the place that they said. But all I saw was them to do a U-turn and dodge the tails and stuff. But even when, so when they pull up, I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, does Michael think that he's in, is he in the right spot? Is it? I don't know. I can't remember. Well, I definitely um, think the like the lack of subtitles is definitely intentional for that scene for that reason. Is so we can focus mm-hmm. in on Michael and really gauge how he's mm-hmm. feeling. Unless, of course, yeah. I mean, if you like can speak Italian, then I guess you get the same effect anyway. But again, we're not distracted by subtitles because yeah. later on, we see subtitles. Like when they're in Sicily and there's conversation, like there's subtitles. So clearly, then it's like, okay, we need yeah. to know the translation. But in yes, this moment, correct. it intentionally is like, no, focus on Michael. That's all that matters yeah. right now. It doesn't matter what they're saying. And it's yeah. just like for a filmmaker to have that control over what we're taking in, like mm. that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Uh, I guarantee Paramount Pictures would probably like put subtitles on you, idiot. What are you doing? <laughs> like, we don't know yeah. what he's saying. It's like, no, you do. But they yeah. to, to build on it, like Michael goes into the into the bathroom. 
he's looking for the gun. You know, it's taken a bit of time. It's sort of like, eh. yeah, it's it probably doesn't take there. as long as as it felt. But I was like, dude, where the where the hell is that gun? <laughs> like, where yeah, is absolutely. It? That's what I was thinking. I was like, is he? He's he's looking. He's, he's God. He yeah. can't find it. He's done. Where the hell he's is done. it? How many places can it be? This movie's not about Michael. <laughs> Who is the Godfather? <laughs> what is going on? But then, honestly, well, thought when Vito gets gunned down, by the way, just to just go step back just a little bit. Laura and I both looked at each other and was like, they can't have killed him now, surely. Who's the godfather? I don't understand. Why are they killing him? Isn't this Does his movie? Like uh, yeah. And then, you know, obviously, clearly we're talking about a, um, you know, a, a story that, you know, Michael's evolving as he's going. It's not necessarily just about um, Vito. But yeah, anyway, yep. So Michael gets this gun and then he, he heads back out. And yeah, he, he does exactly what he does exactly what he said he was going to do. Point blank. Although yeah. I think it is it. Thing. Sonny says it reminds him so many times. Drop the gun, drop the gun, just drop the gun. And he walks. He doesn't drop it right away. He takes about he takes about five meters before he drops the gun. But um, I was just like, don't take it with you. Get rid of the gun. Throw the gun. But yeah. <laughs> um, but clearly in shock. Like it's it's a very well performed scene. Um, and well, you know. again, it, it's that thing where it's like, oh, we know he's a you know we know the characters are returning marine. We mm. assume that he probably actually saw combat and and did kill, yeah. you know, like whether it was from long range or, or maybe close. But I mean, like that's well, he was. Like, I think he was a marksman. So they uh, the cops mentioned that he uh, he's a war hero. Play. So when, when yeah. yeah when they were arresting him and he's beat the captain's beating him, the guy's like, no, I'm, he's a war hero. Like I don't want to do anything to him, kind of thing. <laughs> um. So he's yeah he must have seen action, but I don't know. I think. Someone said there's a difference between there a, is. a handgun and being at a rifle or something like that. But like also just like, like the context of the kills, like, you know, you're in war times, you're in combat, you know, like there's, it's, mm. it is a different sort of arena to, yeah. yeah. hey, there are these guys, whether they're armed or unarmed, I mean, still irrelevant. Mm. You're in a, you're in a restaurant, <laughs> like yeah. with these guys and it's like, you're killing them for your own I mean, well, for the family, but like you kill them for your own purposes. It's not, it's not mm. for your country. It's not for, you know, some other sort of larger world cause. It's whether the cause is relevant or you know, or, or some sort of yeah. significant purpose. Um, again, mm-hmm. different conversation, but it is yeah. different. And then it's sort of like, well, he flat out just murdered these dudes, and it's like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, point blank cool. in the face. In the face and then the chest. It's badass. And as an audience member, it's like we're rooting for this character, but we're also like, Mm. oh, wow. Like, he is a murderer. This is a villain. Yeah. Like, these are the bad guys. Mm. Awesome. Mm. (laughs) I I have conflicting feelings. Well, I mean, he's he's a kind of an anti hero, but he's, I mean, certainly he's a murderer. Like, there's no way he didn't need to kill them people. Like, he doesn't. But he did because it was the, the what was the appropriate thing for him, you know, like for for his situation. After Michael did his thing, uh, we've pretty much got war with the five families. Um, everyone's everyone's scattered. The you know our our Corleones, they're they're in hiding. They're they're here, there, they're everywhere. Michael takes yeah. refuge in Sicily. Um, and if we, we if we just stick on that for for two secs, like. Like Michael's yeah. story, you know, his arc in this movie, like there really is three parts to it where we first have mm-hmm. pretty much what we've talked about so far, then this chunk of, you know, him in Sicily and then later on, you know, when he gets back to America and he ends up, you know, 
taken taken over and stuff like that. But yeah. this period of time in Sicily, number one, beautiful landscape, scenery. Oh, isn't it? Like, Gosh. it just feel like, oh. I just wanted amazing. to go there as soon as it, yeah. yeah. Just wanted to be there. It was amazing. It's actually um, interesting, though. I um I, I noticed, so because he has two bodyguards over in Sicily and they're wearing, um, uh, what, what's a, what's a, what's a bullet belt called? I mean, it's a bullet belt. It's like bandolier. Is that what they call? Anyway, they were they're walking around with they're walking around with shotgun shells and everything, and they look like cowboys. And then I was I had to stop and I go, oh, hang on, that's right. This was about the time when they were filming westerns in Italy because it was cheaper in the tax for tax reasons as well, I think. And so that's where you get the spaghetti westerns from because they're yeah. Italian based landscapes and they look like they're walking around in like the deserts of the west. Um, Anyway, so just just noticing <laughs> noticing the little little synergies there, but uh, the, the I I couldn't believe that they shot it, you know, actually in Sicily, you know, for for that you know the amount of money that they shot that, that they had, it's incredible what they managed to do it all. I don't know how. That's so. wonderful. We also get his um we also get Michael's marriage to, um, uh, Apollonia, Apollonia. Yep. Who, which. It seems unexpected that like this sort of develops and happens, but you have to sort of look at like, okay, time is actually ticking pretty fast yeah. as we go throughout this movie. And then, you know, we find that later on, we really work out how much time has sort of passed. Mm. It does sort of paint a picture like I, you know, like the, the earlier scenes that we had with Michael and Kay, you know, Diane Keaton's character um, yeah. and sort of how it was. And then I guess you kind of, like I keep saying, you know, like I think he was kind of putting on almost like an act to try and be someone that he's not trying to be something different outside of the family. I think maybe with him and her, it's sort of like, I think maybe he meant well, but I don't think there's genuine love there. I, I don't know. But later on, obviously when he does get back to America and he does end up marrying Kay and, mm. you know, it's, it's not so much for, you know, like, Oh, like, you know, when he's offering, essentially making an offer to her that she can't refuse he's not exactly saying like i love you i want to be with you i want to start a life with you i want to you know mm. because of you it's it's more like hey i'm proposing we start a family and it seems more like a business transaction where it's like yeah. hey you me we can have offspring the corleone name will live on mm. through us yeah how about it and that's what it does seem. It seems like you you look lovely because it is quite it's transactional in the way that it's more like no nope, let's let's join our families let's just do that yeah um, and clearly obviously you know he likes her and he, she's not an unattractive person so she's he's into her but and they have they're, they're they have more the friends history than, as well like you know obviously since he's come back from the war and however long they've known each other then like they obviously have a relationship uh, you know it's not like he's just come back to America and it's like, hey, they, they've met for the first time. There's there's that built-in history. But I don't think it's, you know, if not for what happened to, um, again, I have to actually read her name to say it, um, Apollonia. No, I was talking about, I was talking about Apollonia. I was saying that, you know, he's... Oh, right. He, like, as in, yeah, he, he it's a it's a transaction to be with them. You know, they join their families and stuff, but their connection, they don't really have a connection. He has no, a connection I... with Kay. Oh, no, I, I disagree. I, but, I feel okay. like it's the opposite. I feel like he does have that okay. history with Kay, um, but it's still sort of it's a it's it's sort of a relationship that's built on the fact that Michael is trying to be someone different outside of the Corleone yeah. family and their whole you know that whole thing. You know, again, how his personality mm. is at the start. 
And then when you yeah. when he gets back to America, and then it's sort of like again, his approach to to marrying Kay mm-hmm. and starting a family with her is the intent of, well, I need to do this so we can start a family so I can have a kid because my marriage with that bird in Italy didn't uh, didn't really work out because didn't quite pan out. Right, right, yeah. right. And I feel like yeah. even though what you're saying, you know, there's probably validity to it, I do feel like mm. there was enough there with him and, and Apollonia that it yeah. almost, it did seem authentic. I feel like he had almost found, I mean, he had finally sort of escaped that whole thing. Like, you know. Well, that's the thing. It, it, was, it was his last ditch effort involved, of not. And yeah. he kind of like, even though Still it was got out like of it. taking a big step, he almost like in a way like was able to then go, well, now I'm removing myself completely from it because yeah. maybe I went too far. Maybe it needed to be done. It's done now. Yeah. I did it. But now I'm removed. I'm in hiding. Mm. I've met this girl. Things are nice. Things are pretty good. He seems kind of kind of happy. Yeah. And then obviously yeah. the assassination attempt on him. You know, they, they miss <laughs> um, the car bomb. Uh, Apollonia is is taken out as a result. And, and then Michael that ends was up. such a... Sh- such a shock when that happened too. But although yeah. I could see, I could feel there was something happening, right? Because she was so insistent. Like they built up her driving the car. Oh a, yeah, a of lot. course. Yeah, like the the, but, the, but, the, but the a, story a, building. Yeah, but as, yeah, as, yeah. As 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 a first time viewer, I was like, something's go, something's on here. But I didn't expect the betrayal to come from that, like one of like his old bodyguards or whoever that was, because mm-hmm. it was Fabrizio, I think it was, is what he said. But then, as soon as yeah, you, uh, you put it together really quickly just before it happens, so you don't react when it's ha- happening at that in that moment. You get about yeah, you get ten seconds or so where you're like, oh shit, this isn't good. Something's not right. This isn't right. And then bang, it goes off. And you're like, oh no, she was lovely. Damn it, why'd you kill her? Why'd you kill her? But well, they it, killed it, her. They killed it. I mean, the story killed her. So Michael they, then went well, back to America. Tried. And through the next, you know, the third act of this film, the last, the third hour, um, where he became the Godfather. His final that form. His final evolution. <laughs> his final form. <laughs> yeah, I've not seen my final form yet. Nah. Um, <laughs> I mean, and that's it. Makes you think, like, if that's what I'm thinking. His marriage to Apollonia, like, I feel like there was a genuine genuinity to it, if that's a word. Um, it's like if mm. if things didn't transpire how they did, I reckon he might have, you know, gone on a different path, <laughs> stayed in Sicily, well, I mean, or if he had brought Apollonia back to America and then, you know, put her first before the family and and all of that. Well, I mean, she would have she would have fit in really well. She knew the names of the the days of the week. That's pretty good. She that's always that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought but, that's what. She, um, I, I always thought it was, yeah, okay, I see what you're saying and I agree. And I do think that, um, yeah, I think it was his, he, he started he started entering into the mob life, but this was his chance to maybe just have that last chance of not actually being part of it. Yeah. Clearly like, it wasn't going to work in America. Like he pushed. Maybe he could do it in Sicily. And, he took his biggest step by, by killing all the guys in, in that restaurant. He took that biggest step. That was the biggest step forward towards that this lifestyle, his future. And then he yeah. actually got an opportunity to be like, you know what? You can actually still pull out. It's still, we're still good. Mm. We're still okay. Yeah. But then he was drawn back. He was like, back to America. Mm. And then there was still stuff to back resolve. Back to the crimes. It, it yeah. wasn't, yeah. The war was still happening, just a different war for him. Um, yeah. Look, Fredo, Fredo finds shelter in 
Las Vegas. Now, we haven't really spoke too much of him. We keep mentioning him, but um, John Cazale plays Freitas. He, he's the middle son. He's not sunny. He's not the hot-headed, you know, like mm. arrogant kind of foolish one. He's not obviously Michael, the youngest, you know, the, the one that we're following, the the future godfather. Yeah. Um, here's Fredo, the almost forgotten middle son. Um, but look, he's got all his dealings with, you know, he's trying to you know, get things done in Las Vegas and maybe be influential in, in getting things moving. And what uh, Michael eventually um, tries to do later is, is to move the family business to Las Vegas, you know, on the heels of, you know, Fredo's, sort of partnerships and all the things that he's been yeah. building. Yeah. Um, any comments on Fredo? Do we need to go into too much? I didn't like him. I, I have to quick question. Is he a bigger character in the later movies? Uh, well, you know, like at the end of this film where like you've got his betrayal sort of makes a bit of a, uh, yeah. bit of a play. The, I mean, there's yeah. follow-up into, uh, yeah, like it, it develops a little bit more. So obviously he's so not I, at the I just at the I, I haven't heard so the thing is, I'd heard of the character, um, and I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't in this a little bit more than what because I thought you know Sonny had a bit more of a presence. So did so does Tom that, and then Fredo is just kind of yeah, you're right. He just ships straight to um, Las Vegas, and then but yeah, when when he comes back into the I guess the um, yeah into the the narrative, he's kind of more adapted to his life in Vegas, and he. And he he maybe doesn't have the same kind of family allegiance as what he used to have, even though he's meant to be there for protection. He's kind of gone there and sided with the uh, the family that uh, Vito's actually put in place there and all of that. But I expected him to be a little bit more involved than he was. The character itself, I thought, was annoying um, and like kind of cowardly. That's kind of what I got from it, you know, the the portrayal of it, where he um, yeah, like he doesn't have the. He's meant to be, he's, he's the son of Vito. Like he should be, you know, he should be very much standing for the family values and the, and the, the, the business and all that, where yeah. he, in that, that little confrontation they have um, in, in Las Vegas, they, you know, that, that whole scenario, it's, um, he, yeah, he chooses like, he, cho- he chooses the other guy over, over, well, doesn't really choose, but he's more, he's, he seems to be into the party lifestyle and all that kind of stuff. I mean, all of this, all of this very intentional and, you know, as I mentioned before, like it all plays into sort of, again, Michael's journey um, and, and yeah. v, Vito's sort of view of like, you know, even though, you know, when he's sort of out, you know, you know, like he's, he's not dead yet, but even when he's out, he's, he's not in a, he doesn't have the capacity to sort of run the show at this time, you know, mm-hmm. he's in hospital or whatnot. Um, yeah. You know, Sonny steps in, but Vito knows that it's like Sonny isn't fit to run. He's going to make poor decisions, and you know, the business is not gonna he's not gonna survive. It's going to go down. Yeah. Um, he also knows that Fredo is not the right fit. Like you said, the sort of yeah. the party lifestyle, the the other things that he's going. Like, he's just not the smartest. He's just not the best fit. Not That's why, even though Michael tried to remove himself, kept himself as the outsider, he still was the the only choice out of the three yeah. brothers or the four, if you count old Tom there as well. Tom. So yeah, that is what it is. Now, look, there's a talking about all these brothers. There's a sister. And of course, there is know, a sister. Remember that wedding? Yeah. Remember that wedding at the beginning of the movie? Um, it was the sister. Yeah. We've got Connie. Or the daughter. Got the daughter. Yeah. yeah. The daughter. We've got Connie. Um, 
and it's sort of during this period that we we do get a little bit more of of Connie and um, also Carlo. Now we've got the and how big a piece of shit yeah. Carlo is. I mean, yeah, yeah we had the you saw it at the wedding. start a little bit. You saw him being a little yeah. bit of a douche, but not like this. <laughs> it's it's really something else. You know? Yeah. So like, so Talia Shire plays Connie, who is Vito's only daughter, and we've got Gianni Russo playing Carlo. Obviously, Connie's. Uh, new husband, or I guess a few years have passed, and we've got you know it's uh, yeah, it's been a few years into their marriage. But yeah. this movie, I mean, this is the type of movie that we that we've got here. You know, like we're dealing with like you know organized crime and uh, all this other sort of you know like these these this mob war type kind of setting. There, you know, these people are in hiding. There's been assassinations. Mm-hmm. It's all happening, and then suddenly it's like, hey, we get a few moments to like sort of just look at this marriage and sort of the domestic mm. violence that that Carlo has sort of inflicted and you know Connie's mm. that that tragic sort of um you know situation which is all too real of like you know like mm. oh he didn't mean it or like yeah you know yeah. he 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 won't do it again that kind of foolishness yeah. oh it was my or, fault it was me it was me. yeah it was it my fault blaming victim this. blaming yeah. yourself yeah. um and and sunny you know even though you know we've given him a bit of a hard time you know we've called him a bit of a hot-headed bit of a bit of a douche bit of an idiot um but look he but. intervenes it's his sister <laughs> yes. it's his only sister he, he intervenes yeah. he's like no i'm gonna i'm gonna get this sorted and he you know again him sort of coming up with a plan not really yeah. the most uh thought through ends up getting himself killed from you know all of those things happening so you know sunny's down well sunny's- i mean it's it's i mean it's 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 interesting that the, the whole the way that that those kind of scenes evolve right so you one you find you see connie you know she's got bruises on her and then she says wasn't me and then but you 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 get the, this is the area where you also like you actually see carlo actually beat her with a belt when she's pregnant as well like it's you know, it's pretty brutal um, when she's basically losing her shit and, you know, she's smashing everything in the house and then um, he's just, he beats her. And, and But he he does that, I think he does that after, well, does, doesn't he do that after Sonny's beaten him up? Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Because that's the whole reason he sets up Sonny to get killed. So, but when Sonny yeah, intervenes, like, Sunny intervenes yeah, and yeah. tries to get gets involved, and then Carlo is like, "Well, she, well, do you know what? Yeah. I'm going to take it out on Connie because that's a top yeah. top bloke I am." <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. But I mean, I can't even believe. It. I mean, I mean, why would you even mess with the family? You know, like that's oh, crazy. But the um, when um, Sonny's actually belting the crap out of him in the street, I, I was reading an interesting production trivia bit around it. It's um, it's quite funny. It took like two, a couple of days to film, even though it's a very short scene, but it's had 700 extras. Because remember that it's a high fire hydrant that's busted in the street and you know, people are just <laughs> running around in it and stuff. But the whole beating scene, a lot of it was improvised, um, including the uh, the trash can lid. But that was, so James, James Khan picking up a lid, uh, like just completely ad-libbing, like hitting the guy with it. Um, and yeah, they... they it, it, it was actually quite a more complex scene because you know they're moving through all these people and across this whole space through all the water and stuff. Um, but it was a you know it was a it was a great scene to see Sonny step up and belt the crap out of him. But yeah, the consequence is Carlo came back and took it out on Connie to trigger Sonny to go 
back again for more revenge, and that's where Sonny gets killed. Sonny gets so where where is he? Sonny gets he gets ambushed at a is it a toll booth? It is, isn't it? A toll booth. Yeah. Yeah. Or like a highway check or yeah. something like that. Again, an, another very uh, you know pretty violent uh, scene, but you know it's it's impactful again because it's just like oh wow like this is one of the sons like this is no things are happening things are happening and it's sort of like the way it's shot like from the exterior of the car and then like the you know Mm. like the window and oh it's it's full on man it's full on oh absolutely i like i mean i thought it was it was interesting because it's clearly set up for him to get there and the uh the toll booth guard drops a coin and goes to pick it up but you know it's quite deliberate as he's doing it and then people pop up on the other side and just blast the car and all of that um and and then yeah but he, he gets he gets shot so many times <laughs> it's, it's insane he gets shot and then he falls over and then and the way it is but the way they they also just kind of the the way the camera kind of pans out and then you see there's a, there's a, you know a couple of people pull up behind them and then they they see what's going on or they see the body and stuff but it's just it's kind of harrowing in a way where they they still focus on Sonny and his body as they're kind of zooming out and the scenes just kind of moving away from that. It's kind of very final in the moment. The way the way that they um, I don't yeah, yeah I'm not quite sure. It's just like, the way they blocked it and stuff. It's it's just it looks it's it, like we said they've cha- they take the horror not the horror but the brutality around it but they turn it into a message every time. Yeah, the they, they, they really message. they really they, let they it really, sink in. That it's like yeah. okay, cool. This is a moment that means something. It means a lot. It's not someone and dying. It's it's a catalyst. It's actually something that's happening. Well, what happens it's next? Like, oh, wait, yeah. Which is look, we we move into the nineteen fifties, and yeah. uh, essentially, in summary, Vito Corleone, you know, mm. in response to like the murder, um, again, he's there's a reason he's you know. he's in the position that he's in rather than retaliating and being like, let's get revenge on the death of my son. He, he, he makes the decision to forego avenging Sonny's murder and he withdraws his opposition to the heroin business stuff. So he, he says like, look, let's do it. What do we need to do to make peace, make all this stuff like, you know, everything come good Although he does put stipulations out, he says, "Of course, of course, he's still going to be around schools. It's going to be, yeah, 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 and it's going to be." But he's, with, he's with, but rather than like again, much like what Sonny would have done, you know, he doesn't just go off half cocked and be like, "All right, let's get revenge. Let's start gunning people down. Let's let's do all this crazy stuff." He's like, "No, look, I need to make calculated decisions to make sure that the business mm-hmm. is still good, um, that all of this pretty much comes to an end, and even though." My son was murdered. We're going to Your move past it because well. doing anything else will just cause more, more drama. Like it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a smart play because he realizes that it's like there's no, there's nothing we can do except for just make peace and then you know otherwise we're just going to have more bloodshed. So he's a smart man. So because of all do of you, that peace, that sorry, yeah. I was going to say, do you think though that Vito, when he's making that piece, he has in his mind because he becomes um, Michael's advisor, right? He replaces Tom, and they say, you know, they say to Tom, "Tom, you're not a wartime concierge or, or whatever it is." 
something like that, a lawyer or, you know, advisor, Vito takes on that role for Michael in, before, you know, in the end. So to me, the amount of planning and things, the way I was interpreting it at the end of it, I was like, so did Vito plan for all of the shit to go down and was helping Michael get it into position or was it Michael's only Michael's decision after it all, you know, because it would have happened about this time in the movie. That's all. I feel like I feel like whether there was spe- like specific, small, minute details to it, whether Vito had planned mm. each thing and orchestrated it. I feel like as an overall, his his mm. intention was always to have Michael take over for peace. For- like he knew, yeah, oh, right. Um, and I do I do feel like yeah. Again, like he, he was making the decision to the, the the calls that he was making was to have things sort of be settled. Mm. But overall, whether it was like, look, we need all this stuff to play out so Michael can progress into this role and come back and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it could have just been the fact of like, look, if we make peace, Michael will come back to America. <laughs> Maybe that was it. So I guess you can t- yeah. interpret it in different ways. I might need to watch the, the safeguard. Yeah. To work it all out. It's interesting. You're right. Because the Vito's, yeah, he safeguards Michael's return. So, and then, and then becomes his advisor. He retires, you know, um, and then away you go. So then, so like we said, yeah, Michael returns. He, a year passes when he, before he actually goes and sees Kay. And he, he stops her when she's being a, a teacher and, and <laughs> in front of children and says, hello, come with me and has a chat. Um, <laughs> come with me. Which we'll I thought was interesting. Pretty, pretty sure we can't do that nowadays. Um, but uh, at a school, you can't just steal a teacher in front of the children and have a chat. Hey, it's better than um, stealing children. And <laughs> It's true. It is true. Um, but Pick yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> at, at, at the same time as all this is um, kind of happening, um, I guess uh, yeah, Michael. He, yeah, I well, no, It was it was before he actually made his decision to you know kill everybody and head over. But then he head to Sicily. He said he like he acknowledged to his dad that he was like you know, he was going to take like be more loyal to the family. And then this is when he returns. This is him living up to that as well. Like yeah. not only did he oh, I mean do the murdering, but he said nope. I'm now kind of ready to. I'm I'm on board. Yeah, we basically get the the most development in terms of like okay, putting Michael in, you know, positioning for where we're going to be at the end of the movie. So, but he returns home, he marries Kay again under what I I believe is like the intention of like just basically creating offspring rather than you know for love and all that. Yeah, we need need the Corleone family. So, sort of again, he's he's he's. He's moving up into that position and he's already putting mm. things in place in terms of like, well, hey, I need an heir set up. That's, that's one of his strategies, you know, like he's yeah. already doing things. So he takes the family reins. Um, he starts implementing the plan to move the family, uh, like the business to, you know, out of to be operating out of Las Vegas, again, through sort of yeah. um, Frito's operations there and stuff like that. Um, and then we sort of, you know, we get the development of Frito's betrayal. So again, uh, there's a there's a lot of stuff going. The, the the things are turning, and then we sort of just sort of the story, the plot really progresses. Um, and then you know, yeah. Michael is positioned to, you know, as we approach the end of the movie. So as we get there, mm. um, we're in 1955 now. Yeah. And this scene, the scene with Vito and like the grandson in the garden. Cool scene. 
the the thing with the orange peel and you know like he scares the like kid teeth and, like, and stuff. And oh, like, no, genuine no, no. fear in that poor kid's face yeah. too. Genuine fear. Yeah, and it's like no, it's just it's just your grandfather. No, no, no. Just you know, yeah. basically, I'm like just having a laugh, mate. Just having a laugh. Mm. <laughs> I wish all these Italian American guys mm. spoke like Aussies, mm. <laughs> mate. Just having a laugh. <laughs> We're all good. We're all good. You're good, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? You know what? It wouldn't have the legacy it has right now. If we, like I reckon we should just we should just redub the Godfather with um, oh. Aussie accents. <laughs> so anyway, real good. No. Um, oh, if only so we again, had time. Again, yeah. another very iconic thing with the with the orange peel. You know, like that's yeah. the thing. and I think almost poetic. You know, like for, for mm. everything that's going on, this man's position, the Don, the Godfather, um, yeah. to be killed, not by assassination, not in some mm. sort of gang warfare, sort of out in a alley or, you know, mm. gunned down in the street or assassinated in his hospital bed. Mm. It's it's just enjoying a moment with his with his grandson, you know, like having a having a play, having a laugh, and mm. then uh struck him down by natural causes a, has a, a heart, heart attack has a heart attack like, yeah. like the, the the poeticness of that it's just like damn damn oh, absolutely and it's real it's so so real too you know like because he's not they say earlier just beforehand that you know Vito's health has kind of been declining a little bit and you know mm. it, which is kind of like why they transitioned anyway right but you're like you know you know like years have passed he's you know, it's quite normal. <laughs> he's a bit of because he's running around chasing his grandson, and then you know he just obviously goes a little too far and has a heart attack, and that's it. Um, it's poetic, and I think it, it's super appropriate and and a, kind of a really good way of finishing a character instead of it being some glorified, you know, assassination or hit. You know, that's in line with the culture and the the tone. It's like no, it's like he's he's just a man. <laughs> at the end of it all, he's, he's, just a man. Yeah, he's, he's bigger than bigger than life throughout everything. But then, no, he's just another dude. Um, just and he's just, just another dude, like the rest of us. Just just like the rest of us. And well, and um, like no pun intended, but like heartbreaking that like you know the, the grandson thinks mm. that you know yeah the grandfather is just he's just playing just playing dead yeah. <laughs> essentially. And it's yeah. sort of like hey like wake up. It's like oh man like can't deal can't deal with that like that's yeah that's full on that was that's more full on than uh when sonny was sonny was killed like (laughs) yeah yeah well i mean it's sonny's killed and i mean like we said it's all about the uh the impact and stuff that comes with all of these actions but in this one it wasn't there's no messaging here it's simply it's just a case of this is the scenario and this is what's happened things are happening Um, and it's really it's really what happens next which is they transition to the you know burial burial and like big big long funeral procession all that stuff but this is where um you 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 see michael really develop that kind of um i guess that perspective with the people around him as well of there's going to be a play now that he's gone there's going to be a play be prepared for it all of that and he's got people in his ear telling him what to expect and then and this is where it's interesting because Tom then gives him the advice of saying, you know, it's going to be whoever comes to you first. I think it's Tom who says it. Whoever comes to you first, saying that they're going, to, they're going to broker a meeting. That's your mole. That's your that's your like your who who's betrayed you. And it happens. I think who was it? I think it's um is it Tessio? Tessio? Yeah, the guy um Abe Abe Vigoda, kind of Tessio. I think I think that's the character who 
comes to him, is one of his older advisors and says, um, yep, old mate wants to meet you. Um, and then basically knows that he's the one who's who's betrayed him or, or is, is in the pocket of the other guy. But Michael's already planning for it. And at this point, you know, Michael, like we said, at the, at the top, you know, you got Michael, um, the, Connie's baby's baptism where Michael's becoming the godfather. But at the same time, he's enacting this revenge and this, this plot to basically level the playing field and I guess kind of a clean slate with, with all these competitors, really. He takes out, I mean, he takes out all these, he takes out all these key players, um, you know, basically setting up the family to be like back in their prime position. And it's just like this, this whole scene with the, you know, with Connie's baby's baptism versus um, these assassinations of these guys, like these very violent scenes, contrast like juxtaposed to these um you know like the the scenes of you know in the cathedral and you know again yeah. like do you denounce satan and it's like i do and it's like i don't know if they say i do or whatever <laughs> i was like you know i do denounce satan. i don't know whatever but it's like he's, he's basically yeah. saying like no like yes i do and then it's like it's like doing there's someone getting shot with a yeah <laughs> so it's like he's got this perfect alibi because he's there you know at the baptism yeah. it's all it's all happening but like some of the best editing like just the way it's crafted like what we're seeing that we're like boom we're getting this and then it's like that and it's like oh my god and you just know like this is his rise like if there was a mm. metaphor of like just a visual thing of mm. him rising to his position yeah. like this is it happening we I mean, get- he's been spoon feeding it too he is like you said this at the top he is becoming a godfather but he is becoming the godfather at the same time simultaneously yeah. it's all it's 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 magical it's uh, it is crafted really really well um, I, and I, I mean, I just rewatched that scene again just to go, like, just to, to be just part take, of the journey. Just take it all in. You've seen that entire thing. But then there's now, this, uh, like, in the closing moments of this movie, like, we get a whole, like, there's a there's a whole lot sort of thrown at us, like, um, you know, Carlos's confession, um, you know, to being involved with, mm. you know, like Sonny's Sonny's murder and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and his death, um, and then. Connie in then turn blames Michael as being the instigator of, you know, everything that's happening because of the business mm. and um, what Sonny did yeah. and then what Carlos did and then, and then obviously ultimately his death um, yeah. that she then tells Kay, you know, and, yeah. and it's all sort of like, you know, the, the, the family business stuff is all hush-hush. It's like, you know, you, you don't mm. talk to your wives about, about this stuff. But Connie obviously tells Kay yeah. about Michael's involvement in everything and all of that. Um, and then yeah. Kay, you know, when she goes to confront Michael about it all and be like, look, tell me, just tell me what's going on. Tell me what what's involved. And again, this is, is where... Is I'll give you one chance to ask a question. Like no. you, have, yeah, you have one question, but then after that, you may never ever in the for the rest of our lives like ask me anything about the business and it's sort of like again this is not a marriage of love this is a yeah this is a um a business transaction a an agreement yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying I see what and you're it's saying. like it all just keeps <laughs> adding to the thing it's like and if and anything, he lies like, to her to to enforce what you just said then which I didn't, didn't think about it before until now but he he says like he he's clearly manipulating her he says you know I'll give you this chance. This is your chance and I will tell you anything. Just ask. And he says, she says, did you kill him? Did you do this? And he goes, no, I didn't. But he's lying. Of course he well, did. I mean, like the whole, and, 
throughout the whole movie whenever he is like referring like because she knows that you know that the business is what they do is not it's crime yeah yeah, it's crime but like they never go into detail and stuff and he's repeatedly telling her like if he was in charge or you know like the intention is to have the, Mm. the the family go legitimate and everything be you know nice and nice and clean all that kind of mm. stuff and then like you said yeah like flat out just lying to her at the end like if yeah. if this movie almost shakespearean like there's a there's a tragedy to this story that for her character mm. like for for Kay, um you know in, in the final moments it's sort of like mm. This is her husband, the the father of her. I can't remember how many kids they have. <laughs> Do they have a couple? I think they have a couple. At that point, only only one of them. Only one? Yeah, I don't know. And, um, yeah, and, kids aren't important. It's all about Kate. It's all about Kate. <laughs> that moment, and I don't know, like you know, like it's been parodied so many times, like with the closing door bit, yeah. where you know he's like, "Look, we'll we'll talk later or, or whatnot," and then he goes, he's mm-hmm. in that room, Kate's on the outside of it. And then you know the guys like go up to go up to Michael. They refer to him as Don Corleone, the Godfather. Yeah. Like he has become the Godfather. It's yeah. it's official now. The yeah. door literally shuts, mm-hmm. and Kay's just left standing there, like, "Holy shit!" So through her yeah. eyes, as the audience, where where they're witnessing mm. as well, like, "Oh damn!" Like, if we if we ever had any hope for Michael to to come out of this okay yep. and do the right thing it's like nope we've lost him no, <laughs> he's, he, he is gone and he's now part of that so that world that world yeah. has now got him oh he's um he's oh. at the top of it and, and, so, well. and that's <laughs> and this is and, and i do like i want I, I would like to continue watching you know these this series to find out like i, I am compelled like to find out what the next step is with these relationships wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. the yeah. power of Godfather compels you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that worked well. That worked. <laughs> it does work well because uh, I'm, I'm not religious at all, but I definitely do worship movies. So there we go. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, and that's it. That's the movie. That's it. Done. That's it. I what mean, else did I talk about? I mean, I mean, there's, I mean there isn't. Like we, we covered it. The movie goes to three hours and we spoke for an hour and a half. So I think we did a decent job of it, I think. So um, now the question question is at this point in the podcast we we would usually go to a um a quiz a quiz break. Now this quiz we used to do ten questions in a, in sixty seconds. We now do it ten questions in approximately sixty seconds because we're not in a rush, people. We don't rush. rush. We don't rush. Also, we just can't be bothered with the timer anymore. So look, let Absolutely. me. The production Let's... value went down. Our convenience went up, but we still <laughs> we all still enjoy it. It's just easier. You know, it's easier to edit. It's easier to whatever everything all of it i'm just going to start asking you questions if that's okay <laughs> well you get, you get me primed though hang on get me primed so um jason's got questions i'm going to be answering them it does seem a little bit unfair because i have seen the film once so um prepare for it to be a dismal display of uh trivia knowledge jason go do it uh yes i guarantee it. all right in no particular, <laughs> normally I like to plot my questions in order of like what sort of happens about the film. I'm going to make chronologically. It even I usually do, yeah, and oh, then just throw God. you random questions in in different sort of uh, difficulty Damn. level as well. So it's all going to get messy. Let's just oh. get into it. Right. Which member of the Colleone family was the first to meet Tom Hagen? First to meet them, um, 
Vito. Incorrect. Oh, well, Vito met him when he was a kid. Oh, you mean in person in the movie? In the movie. Oh, Sunny. Yeah. Okay, right. Sunny. Right, Sunny. Right. Yeah. I think I'll got... give you the answers as we go, just so we don't have to backtrack again. Getting things moving. What was the message sent to the Corleone household telling them that Luca Brassi was dead? There's some fishes in and some paper because he was sleeping with the fishes or swimming with the fishes, one of them. Correct. Johnny Fontaine is? Mm -hmm. A singer or an actor. Well, a singer, but wanting to be an actor. We'll go with that. Correct. Where did Vito Corleone die? In the vegetable patch near tomato plants. That was very specific. I would have accepted in his garden, but yes, okay. I, sure. know, I noticed a few things. <laughs> <laughs> what fruit? But no, no, anyway, correct. <laughs> um, the gun that Michael used to kill um, Solozo was hidden where? Behind the toilet uh, cistern. Again, very specific, but yes. <laughs> Behind the toilet I know, cistern. I noticed, I noticed some things. I noticed yeah, cool, cool. Yep, cool. Um, all right. What does hitting the mattresses mean? Hitting the mattresses. Is that having sex? <laughs> I mean, I, feel like, I mean, I feel like, yeah, it should. But in, in, in terms of the Godfather. Yeah, people. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't think I picked that one. Um, going to war with a rival family. Oh, makes no sense at all, but okay, sweet. It doesn't. It doesn't. Um, what did Michael do before taking over the family business? He was in the military. Yeah, correct. I'll take it. <laughs> I wrote down he went to war. But yeah, all right. Yeah, but, <laughs> all right. Um, how does the Corleone family manage to threaten Waltz? Uh, with a horse head in the bed. Yes. His favourite horse. My favorite favorite racing horse. (laughs) Um, And last, nope, not last question. Uh, What did Solozo's last meal consist of? Oh, geez. I know there was, it's in a, it's in a restaurant named um, Lewis's or Lewis's Italian (laughs) restaurant. I almost wrote down down the question. What was the name of the restaurant? Oh, I can't remember. I don't know. It was veal. I was. It was meant to be the best veal in the town. (laughs) That's it. All righty. Now, last question. All right. Who is with Vito when he is shot on the sidewalk? Uh, Is it that dude who ends up by getting killed? I think his name starts with S. Can't remember his name, though. Well, it doesn't start with S. (laughs) Who who is it? But it's it's a guy that they kill because he didn't defend him. What was his name? It was Freddy. Was it Freddy? It was. Oh, that, that's not in my mind at all. Cool. <laughs> but the way, oh, the way they killed him, though, God, isn't that brutal? But they make him feel, oh, no, it's all right. We're just going to go do a, a, an errand. And then they just, oh, God. Mate, you didn't do too bad. You didn't do too bad. Six. Six out of ten. Oh, pretty, pretty damn happy with that, man. Not pretty bad. Pretty happy with that. I feel like you would have done Think better if I was asked the same questions. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. With that, with that all out of the way, all done. Yeah. We've talked about the movie. We've done our quiz. We've uh, mm-hmm. pissed fart around a little bit. Um, let's rate the Godfather. <laughs> like we're doing it. Yeah, let's... Fifty years. Oh, cool. um, celebrating its fiftieth anniversary. We are here. Two two random blokes. One who's watched it for the first time. One who's watched it twice. Mm-hmm. We are rating the Godfather, <laughs> the Almighty Godfather. You go first. Yeah. Tell me out of five VHS tapes. And VHS tapes is correct because you know we're talking about a movie from the seventies. Um, 
So, I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. This is a five out of five movie, Jason. I can't. So I can't fold it. Um, well, what I'll say to <laughs> to justify my five out of five, despite all of the justifications in the entire world for the last fifty years, is um, <laughs> is that so watching this for the first time in 2022, two days ago, there's not really any part of this movie that doesn't hold up um, either um, in, you know, just contextually with, you know, just kind of social norms and things or even just the film craft behind it. This isn't a movie that relies on things like special effects and things like that. This is a movie that's driven completely by character interaction and um, and just the immersion into that culture and to that 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 scene and that, that that side of the world and it's just displayed perfectly and i guess because it's used as a not only as like a benchmark and it's parodied and all that but it created its own kind of i guess culture in a sense of how it transformed the mafia world and all that you know all the stuff we talked about at the top there like it's 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 incredibly still relevant like there's there's nothing about it it's dated in the way that it's you know, the time and the, the cars and all the costumes and all that stuff, but it's done so well that you can genuinely genuinely look at it and say, fantastic period piece that is true to true to its time and true to our time. And I think it's brilliant. I The performances, everything, like there's not a part of this movie where you'll just go, oh, actually, okay, if I, the only part I'd say is the blood effects when um, Solozo uh, gets shot in the head. That, you know... Come on, but we're talking about squibs from 1970s, so too bad, too bad. It doesn't get any, doesn't get marks taken off. It's a, per, it's, it's, it is a perfect movie. It is a fucking, ooh, it's a good movie. It's a fucking good movie. So I cannot wait. I said it before, but I cannot wait to watch the other two. Like I really want to do it. I want to do it now. I have to work in, you know, in the morning, but I'd love to just stay up tonight and just watch them. What did so you say off here? What did you say off here? You're like. Um... You're like, look, if I get oh, yeah. if I get COVID and I have to if isolate, I get COVID, like, if I get COVID, the then, and then maybe these movies, <laughs> I might even watch these first. But um, they're on Stan, they're streaming on Stan. I think it's Stan. You know, if you if you if you're in Australia, so Paramount Plus, you know, like they're they're all over the place. Or yeah. you know what? So, anyway, go go pick fun. up the the new. 4K, um, you know, uh, oh, my, my TV, yeah, my TV ain't good enough for that, mate. So, but hey, like just on that, before I get to my rate, like the the third yeah. film, the new director's mm. cut version of it, which I'm very okay. intrigued about. But I would suggest you watch the original cut first, and then if you're oh, curious, yeah, we'll do, do the theatrical it. stuff. But yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah. for me, it's a five out of five. Can't fold it. Love <laughs> Look, it. Uh, not wait to watch the rest of it. Beautifully said. I think you you summed it up quite nicely there. Look, as I said at the you know at the, at the beginning of this episode, I intended to rewatch this movie in two settings, two sittings because I was like, look, it's three hours, it's long. I'm I'm a busy man. I I've literally got to watch it in the middle of the night, um, and I couldn't I couldn't stop watching it. Yes, I did doze a little bit for like a couple of minutes, but I, I rewound. It was fine. <laughs> I didn't miss anything. Um, <laughs> and the reason. The reason that happened is because this movie is just so damn good. Um, yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna bother giving any more of a, a breakdown of the highs and lows because I think you covered it all. But okay. essentially, much like Back to the Future, this is a perfect movie. <laughs> One of the yeah. rare yeah. perfect movies, and you know, sometimes I can say, "Look, I can give this movie a five out of five because it's great." 
but there's always mm. sort of faults and I'm just like maybe my experience was a five out of five and that's why I do it but this is genuinely a five mm. out of five um this is the the gold standard film would I say it's the greatest film ever made I mean personally to me to myself like no but I, I don't even really know what the personal the, the greatest movie and again that's such a subjective thing oh definitely that you, you, definitely. you can't there is no movie um mm. Uh, there's no such thing as really the have greatest that time. but yeah. it definitely deserves to be in the conversation when talking about what is the greatest film yeah. um and it, like, it is fantastic it is and mm. I'm, I'm curious i'm gonna go and watch the part two again as well and okay. i might make a decision just on a personal standpoint whether the first one is is better because mm. i just feel like it's such a it's such a clean distinct solid yeah. Uh, beginning middle end character arc for michael like it really is i said i wasn't going to summarize but i guess here i am i'm doing it um it really <laughs> does it's it's just it's just perfect and i think with the second yeah. one obviously with the the two timelines and and things yeah you know maybe mm. you can oh, it, it does work well though so get excited when you when you get to it um i'm yeah. excited now yeah. holy shit I mean, oh, it's fantastic! I, I dreamt of it straight like uh, that night after, it and even, it. even a couple of days. Yeah, as in, like you know, just. I wish I had slept long enough after watching it again to have dreamt. I feel like I was in a deep <laughs> sleep, and then my alarm was waking me up, telling me to wake up on a Sunday morning. And by alarm, you're, you're, I mean you're, my kid, your child, <laughs> my child, yes. as he was kicking me in the ribs, and I was like, "Your hey. organic alarm clock." Yes, my kid one. is like is like a horse's head in my bed. I wake up every morning, <laughs> and I'm like, "Who the hell put you here? Um, is this a message?" <laughs> you? Do not cut. Do not cut that out either, because we'll be showing. Twenty one years, I'm going to play this. <laughs> Why are you? I mean, he's not. He's not headless, and um, you know, blood everywhere. But he's kicking me in the ribs. So I feel like the impact <laughs> is the same. <laughs> and you scream just as much as Waltz does. Yes, yeah, I'm sure. I'm it's, sure, I'm sure. Uh, sometimes. Sometimes I'm just oh, sleeping there, gosh. and suddenly there's there's fingernails in my eyeballs. But um, anyway, mm. enough on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well. We're going to have to review some more of these classics, I think, just so we can gush for two hours about them. Um, and then uh, people people have to listen to it if they they like listen to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, for yes. sure. So that was our rewind to 1972, The Godfather. Oh. Is that now, the we furthest all... we've gone back? I need to just raise that question. Is it? 50 years. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. it is. All right. Okay. Surely, listeners can correct us on Facebook though if they want to. But I think it is. Because I think, it's a I think Superman the movie was like our oldest. Yeah, it was like forty, wasn't it? Forty-two, forty-five. I can't remember. Anyway, yes. Let's just keep going back. Anyway. How far back can we go back? Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> can we do that? I need a Wizard of Oz movie. I'm not doing a Charlie Chaplin movie. Come on. I'm not doing. I'm not doing Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I mean, I would do it. I would. I would do it if someone asked me to. 1930s um, King Kong. Come on. <laughs> Oh, I would do. Oh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, we hope everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind Review. We definitely have. We loved it. Now, as always, uh, we remind you: any feedback, um, either positive or negative, or any um, rewind requests as well, like King Kong, um, can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstreetpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach out to us at either that Film Street or Rewind and Reviews Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages whilst you're at it. Yeah, subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. Um, and if you're wondering what our next episode of Rewind and Review is, 
Well, here's a little clue. No, Uncle Ben. I'm just Peter Parker. I'm Spider-Man. No more. No more. Yeah, we're doing one of these movies again. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. We didn't. We didn't, uh, we didn't divert from these <laughs> too far uh, for too long. Uh, all right, cool. Very exciting. So we'll we'll catch up soon to do that one. Um, thank you, you for listening and uh, sticking with us. This has been another rewind and review. See you on our next trip. See ya. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library.